Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday Eve. I'm Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Big day of sports coming up. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I really like the fact that you uh, have maintained your Edward Jones Dome tablet over there. My tablet? Well, it's your, your little... Back in the day, they called paper with uh, paper on it a tablet, yeah. A little notebook. Oh, see, now a tablet means like an uh, iPad, yeah, basically. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, I don't have a tablet. Well, it's, see, old school tablet. Uh, you do have one. I do, yes. And I love this Edward Jones Dome paper. It's one of the best things that the Rams gave me in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And you have a bunch at home and brought them to me, and I love to take my notes on them. <laughs> the Cardinals are back in action tonight. They'll take on the Arizona Diamondbacks at the ballpark. And it's a 645 start. What a fun day yesterday to close out the series against the Mets, huh? Oh, my gosh. We had a little bit of Everything in that game. You had an unbelievable throw, maybe the throw of the year from Dylan Carlson. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals' bats came alive. Oh, and there was a brawl. Yeah, we need more brawls in baseball. I agree. I thought it was very entertaining. <laughs> Here's the way it unfolded. The Cardinals took the lead on a Corey Dickerson hit in the first, but then fell behind 4-1. Cardinals bounced back to tie the game at 4-4 in the bottom of the fourth. Edmundo Sosa scored on a wild pitch. Corey Dickerson reached on an infield single, and Dylan Carlson stepped to the plate. The 2-0. Carlson down the right field line. It is fair into the corner. One run is in. That's Nolan Arenado. Here comes Dickerson. Carlson to third, standing up with a two-out triple. And it was a 10-5 game as they played in the eighth inning. Yoan Lopez on the mound. The Cardinals' best player, Nolan Arenado, at the plate. Nolan Arenado, who's been on base four times. First pitch up and in. Both benches clear. Now the bullpens racing in from left field and right field. Okay, we didn't have enough punches. And it wasn't just the bullpens, Michelle. It wasn't just racing in from the door in left and right field. From right field. You guys racing in from the bullpen as well. Jumping over the fence to get in. Believe that's Giovanni Gallegos. And he has some good speed. He showed off 
incredible athleticism he there. He hopped over that fence so quick, it was like he was running from the cops. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like reminding me of being in high school and the cops show up at a party and you dash out. He didn't even think twice, Randy. Jumped right over the fence, was speeding out from, tremendous. from the bullpen. Uh, there's a lot of different angles to look at in this fight. Absolutely. And obviously the Cardinal manager, Carlos Marmol, with ev- uh, Oliver Marmol, with everything that had happened in that series, including the Cardinals hitting another hitter yesterday. Uh, Oliver, did you see that one coming? I think my four-year-old had an inkling it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I understand that the Mets were upset. They're probably sick of getting hit by pitches. I mean, yeah. they lead the league with 19 hit by pitches this season. They had three Tuesday night versus the Cardinals. There was some jawing in that game. There there was stuff going on in this game. You knew that they were going to retaliate at some point. And I think maybe Nolan Arenado was expecting it would be him, maybe one to the ribs. But when it gets up that close to your head, I imagine that if I was Nolan Arenado in that moment, I might take exception to that too. And that's exactly what he said. I think that's more the problem, yeah. That's the problem. Like, I get it. I get what's going on in this series, and it's part of the game, but a little high. I'm glad that he says that it's part of the game. I'm glad that the players are taking taking it upon themselves, and every player needs to take it upon themselves to settle these things on the field. Don't let Major League Baseball, because they don't have a clue, don't let Major League Baseball determine the end of these things. Determine it yourself on the field. And if the players are willing to do that properly by not throwing at the other team's heads, then baseball will be more fun. And, by the way, you won't have guys being suspended for stupid reasons. Yeah, for sure. You learned a lot about different players Mm -hmm. during that fight, Randy. I watched that thing maybe 30 times. I was slowing it down, (laughs) backing it up. I was looking at it from different angles. But I think you learn a lot about different people on the team in a moment like that. Like Giovanni Gallegos Mm -hmm. hopping over the fence. I knew he was a great athlete. I didn't know he had hops (laughs) like that, right? Paul Goldschmidt showing off some unbelievable speed as he bursts out of the dugout. Stubby Clapp. Who knew that Stubby Clap was going to be the first guy to take somebody down as he wrestles Pete Alonzo to the ground. It was unreal watching it from different perspectives and seeing how different Cardinals players and just really people involved in the organization reacted to that. And by the way, Pete Alonzo claiming that he can put somebody in the hospital. Don't take anything for granted, right? Well, didn't I just watch a 49-year-old bullpen coach take you down? There you go. Thank you very much. Right. And no disrespect to Stubby because clearly I wouldn't want to mess with him. No, uh uh-uh. Could Arenado have, uh, or could the Mets have handled it better, Arenado was asked? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not saying he's trying to throw it up there. It's just the ball got away, but that's the problem with that stuff, you know. But, listen, it's unfortunate, you know. People, you know, it's, it's, part, it's an unfortunate part of the game, but it is part of the game. And the Cardinals, most notably, came away with a win. They're 10-7, and 4-3 and three at home, and they play Arizona tonight, and they maintained their first place standing in the National League Central. I watched Nolan Arenado's entire post-game media scrum there, and I really liked his response to when he said at the end of the day, they played better baseball than we did during this series. And yes, this is something that's going to be talked about a lot in this fight. I'm paraphrasing his words, but he's like, but at the end of the day, the thing that we really care about is that they took two of three and they they generally play better baseball than us. So I I love that even after a fight that he was the centerpiece of, he's still worried about the fact that the Mets took two of three from his team. Right. And the Brewers beat the Pirates by a score of three to one. So the Brewers actually have a one game lead over the Cardinals. I, I misspoke there. The Brewers with a one-game lead over the Cardinals right now. Pittsburgh three and a half behind the Brewers. Chicago three and a half back in the Reds are eight and a half back in the division. Last night in the NBA, 
Feel bad for Stan Kroenke. His Nuggets eliminated by the Golden State Warriors, 102 to 98. So Golden State takes that series in five. And Milwaukee, Michelle, advances with a 116-100 win over the Bulls. So the defending champs are still alive. Yes, they are. And even though the Bulls were bounced, Randy, I and, and not having Lonzo Ball there was a, a big detriment Huge. to them. But I do think that the future is bright for them. I love my Illini Io DeSumo getting some playoff action. And I can't wait to see what the Bulls look like next year. They're going to be pretty darn good. It's exciting in the Midwest to see the Bulls getting good again. They're ascending, no doubt about it. A couple of NFL notes. The draft is tonight, and you'll hear the draft here on 101 ESPN. And the Arizona Cardinals picked up Kyler Murray's option and secured him for next year. And I want to go back to baseball for a second, because yesterday, John Jay announced his retirement. And John Jay, obviously, a big part of Cardinal history. Back in 2011, in a certain Game 6, the Cardinals were down 9-7 in the 10th inning against the Rangers. Daniel Descalso led off against the left-hander with a base hit to bring John Jay, Yan Ye, to the plate. Little fly ball into left. That ball is going to drop for a hit. And it's two on with nobody out here in the bottom of the 10th. That hit by John Jay. Kyle Loesch followed with a bunt to move the runners up. Ryan Terrio with an RBI ground out to make it 9-8. Albert Pujols intentionally walked. And then this. Tying run at second base. In the air to right center. This game is tied. Going to third is Pujols, and it's 9-9. They just won't go away. So John Jay has scored. Daniel Descalso has scored. It's 9-9. And we do this because we can. An inning later. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Michelle's getting misty-eyed. Not misty-eyed, but definitely get goosebumps. <laughs> That's the single greatest call I'll probably ever hear. It just the, We'll see you tomorrow night. The fact that it was a nod to Joe Buck's dad. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was the St. Louis kid who did it. It's just a perfect, perfect call and a perfect moment in Cardinals history. And it's so weird, Randy, to think that it's been so long since that happened that all those Memphis Mafia guys are now out of the right. game, that David Freeze is retired and John Jay is retired, Alan Craig. It, does, it doesn't feel that long ago, but yet it feels so long ago. Right, and the only three players active from that team are all here now yeah. with Albert, Wayno, and Yachty. And Wayno wasn't even active in that World Series because he had had Tommy John surgery. But one thing I had forgotten, and so the night that the the Los Angeles Rams played the Patriots in the Super Bowl four years ago, whatever it was, uh, I certainly wasn't going to pay attention to that. And I was driving my daughter back to Bradley that night so that I could avoid the Super Bowl. And KMOX, smart programming on their part, was airing 
that game. And I had completely forgotten that against the left-hander, Descalso and Jay were the first two up in the the 10th inning. You got two left-handed hitters up, two young left-handed hitters up against a left-hander out of their bullpen. And then Edwin Jackson was going to be the guy to bunt, and Tony said, no, i got to go with my better bunter. He didn't have any players left on his bench, so Loesch is the guy that gets the bunt down. And then we all remember, because we've seen it so many times, especially during the pandemic, the Lance Berkman at bat was just incredible. That was the linchpin. Yes, it was the freeze moment we all remember, but Lance Berkman is the unsung hero of that game. Yeah, he was amazing. And we get a text Lance Lynn. I forgot about Lance Lynn. He was in the bullpen and did a good job in that World Series, too. So he is still active. And thanks for all of your texts. People still like that stuff, don't they? If we go to the text line, 65780, still gives me chills. Goosebumps in all caps. Thanks for that. These clips are giving me goosebumps. All the feels. Thanks, guys. Goosebumps every friggin' time. Never get tired of that. Goosebumps every time. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, we love it. And hopefully we can experience those feelings again at some point in the future. Michelle and Randy often running on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What are you sick of? We've got Sick of It next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Carriker and Smallman are sick of it. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. Great to have you with us. And what are you sick of today, Michelle? Debo Samuel hops on the old interwebs and says, "Hey." If you don't know what I'm going through, don't talk about it, essentially, to paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm sick of is guys going to reporters and saying I've demanded a trade. And then when people talk about it on social media, they say, hey, you don't know my business. Don't talk about it. Well, why are you putting it out of there that you asked for a trade to the entire public right before the draft when you don't want people to talk about it? If you wanted privacy, maybe you shouldn't have gone to talk to a reporter who's going to put it out there to the entire world. Kind of sick of it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, kind of in that same vein, Randy. I'm sick of Ben Simmons. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved the drama this week, and I'm kind of sad that the Nets got swept. Not because we didn't want Jason Tatum to have success, but because I wanted to see how this would unfold. But Shams Sharania had the report that Ben Simmons told Nets leadership that the mental block that he's dealing with that stopped him from playing is creating stress as a trigger point that's going into his back issue, and that the Nets organization wanted Ben Simmons to show some results and ended up playing in the series before they got swept, even if it was for limited minutes. And while I'm empathetic to mental health issues and I don't really know exactly what Ben Simmons is dealing with, I'm sick of not seeing him play. This is a really talented player that I want to see what he can do when he gets back out on the court. And I'm sick of that being pushed back and the return point being delayed. I am too, but, and he's been ripped a lot this week, we don't know how serious his mental issues are. People have different mental issues, and obviously it's a huge problem. It's it's causing suicide, and suicide rates are spiking in our country. If I had a better read of whether or not this was real or it was a reason to not play, I, I would feel better about making comments and taking shots at the guy. And I want to see him play, too. But none of us have any idea how serious the mental issues are. 
No, we don't. But I, I would imagine, though, that the Nets would have at least looked into that pretty thoroughly before acquiring mm-hmm. him. And what I I would imagine would be monitoring his progress from a mental per- perspective in order to feel comfortable saying that he was going to play in game four. Mm-hmm. And at some point, he's going to either have to rip the Band-Aid off and do it, or he's not going to be in the league anymore. You are 100% right. And one of the things that's been brought up this week a lot, and I agree with this, is you do have to play to get paid. That should be a rule. And I I have all kinds of empathy for the players that are held back by mental issues. But the fact of the matter is, if if it's preventing you from doing that particular job that you signed up to do, then there's got to be recourse for the team to not have to pay a $20 million a year. Yeah, and he's certainly asking for all of his money while not playing. He's, He's gone to the league and filed a grievance. So it's... It is a, a drama, but I, I'm I'm with you. I'm kind of sick of him after last year. Maybe it was a mental issue that didn't allow him to try the dunk. But come on, t- tell us what's up. And let's see you play. Yeah, let's play. Right. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? 65780. From the 618, sick of the way the NHL playoffs are set up. Putting two of the top teams in the West against each other in the first round is ridiculous. Don't disagree. I could go either 1 through 8 in the conference, or back in the day, they used to just go 1 through 16. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter what conference you were in. First place overall team, President's Trophy winner played number 16. I can go with either of those. I do not like the idea that arguably two of the three best teams in the West have to play each other in the first round. Couldn't agree more. Save that for the later rounds. We want that Mm -hmm. drama. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't get it. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Stop making divisions matter so much. Uh, 314, I'm sick of watching Paul DeYoung when there was an outstanding shortstop class from which to improve. Well, they were expensive, though. They were. And uh, if you thought the Cardinals were going to spend 325 over 10 years on Corey Seager, or if you thought they were going to go 30 million a year on, uh, uh, on Carlos Correa, you, you just haven't been paying enough attention to the Cardinals. They aren't going there. And so, what you would have liked to have seen is them maybe give a little more runway because of the way DeYoung has gone for two and a half years now. Maybe give a little bit more runway to Sosa. And by the way, a team that, and Jason Stark brought this up yesterday, a team that is built on run prevention, as bad as the Cardinals' shortstops have been offensively, they're third in the league in runs, defensive runs saved. And that matters to the Cardinals. It does matter to them because when they when they were bad, when they were well, not bad, but when they didn't go to the playoffs, Michelle, in 16, 17, 18, why didn't they go to the playoffs? Because the defense was not great. Defense and base running, right? It was fundamentals. And I, I'm telling you, I know there's a lot of thought. Some people are even saying move Nolan Arenado to short, which to me sounds preposterous. But... There are no guarantees about Tommy Edmond playing short. And I can tell you this, Nolan Gorman is not as good at second base as Tommy Edmond is. So I don't think the Cardinals are in that position. The reason that they are the way they are now is because of what happened in 16, 17, 18 and the defense deteriorating to the point that it did in the hopes of offense being able to overcome it. From the 2-1-0, sick of Mets fans acting like their team is the only one eating baseballs this year. <laughs> Mets fans, hey, they're fun, and don't get sick of Mets fans. I think, Michelle, my favorite ever sports response by a group of fans was the Mets fans after Yachty hit the home run in Game 6 in 07. Or Game 7 in 07. Game game 7 in 06. Yeah, Yachty's home run. was Their facial expressions were priceless. 
I think mine was the Bradledge Albert Pujols. That was fun too. Moonshot. Especially I don't know. Randy I don't know Pettit. If, I just don't know if I've ever seen a place go that quiet that mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. You could hear a pin drop in Houston. It was awesome. But but back to what the texter was saying about Mets fans. Yes, other other teams are dealing with hit by pitches as well. But yeah. the Mets are leading the league with nineteen. Right. They they dealt with it a lot. Yeah. And you know what? I think Buck Showalter, it doesn't bother him at all that they got into a brawl yesterday. Because, as was mentioned by several of their players over the course of the series, they're building a culture there. And that's the kind of culture that Buck Showalter builds. It's not unlike what we dealt with when we had Tony as our manager. No, in a moment like that, too, that's galvanizing for your team. It that really brings is. everybody together. It, it it helps force the hand of what your identity is going mm-hmm. to be. And 618, sick of people dawdling along at the speed limit on 40 during the morning drive. Don't they know I'm late for work? <laughs> well, if they're getting up to the speed limit, good for them. Right? Yeah, because that's all you can really ask for, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, one thing that I've told my kids, and I'll say this till the day I die, we should never complain about traffic in St. Louis. There is no traffic in St. Louis. Exactly. It does not exist. No. The other night, Monday night, I left the game, and this is just the way St. Louis is, but you couldn't do this in Chicago or New York or L.A. I left the game after the 7th and got home for the start of the ninth. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you live how and far I live, away? I, I live 18 minutes? miles away. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was in New York, when I landed from the airport to where I was going, which normally should be maybe 30 minutes max, mm-hmm. took me an hour and a half because of traffic. Crazy. I, I, I forgot that, about that. I maintain that that is a commentary not only on St. Louis traffic, but also the length of baseball games. Well... No, this this was a sharp, quick baseball game. By the way, I have a friend that moved to Chicagoland recently, and he is literally in the Chicagoland area, but he can get to the Brewers ballpark quicker than he can get to Wrigley Field. Wow! From his driveway. That's because of the traffic on the Eisenhower and all of that. That's stuff, That's ridiculous. Right? That's crazy. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Randy. And uh, we appreciate you texting in six five seven eight zero. Coming up. It's the weekly visit from MLB Network's Lindenwood product, St. Louis and Greg Amsinger. He's an avid golfer, too. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and... MLB Network's Greg Amzinger, a product of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis, huge Cardinal fan, joins us as he does Thursday mornings on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm still fired up after yesterday's game. I was on the air right afterwards with Al Leiter, Yonder Alonso, and we were kind of getting after it. Uh, three different takes on what went down, and uh, you know, it, it's a it's a polarizing topic. A lot of different angles we could go, but. Uh, it's what everyone seems to be talking about right now. Okay, Greg. Well, we want to hear your take after the Cardinals and Mets game and that uh, the benches clearing incident. What was your observation of what went down? Well, look, I can't blame Nolan Arenado. You, your career can end. You, your season can end. You're off to the best start uh, that you've ever had in your, in my opinion, Hall of Fame highway career. He's on the highway to go to Cooperstown. The last thing you want is to get caught up in this unfortunate uh, coincidence. And the unfortunate coincidence is but the Mets have been hit 19 times, 19 times. That's far more than any other team. I chatted with my friend Buck Showalter after the game yesterday, and he goes, Greg, do you know how many times our players have been hit above the shoulders in spring training? 
And I go, well, Buck, I know you did the math. So go ahead and tell me how, what, what, what is that number. And he goes, 15 times. 15 times he's had players hit in the head or the neck area, above the shoulders, since spring training started. That's, that, that is ridiculous. I don't know why they have a target. I'm trying to tell them I think it's an unfortunate coincidence. And that, those things do happen. They do. But I can understand why Nolan Arenado doesn't want to get caught up in all that. This is a Hall of Fame player. This is how special he is. And yeah, you're going to get furious when a pitch gets thrown up by your face because this young guy wants to get patted on the butt by his teammates for doing the right thing in their dugout. I understand why they retaliated. I understand why Nolan Arenado got upset. But the other thing that we're not paying attention to is who is to blame here. It's not the baseballs. Everybody wants to talk about that. Yeah, they should probably be rubbed up better to take more time doing that. But the, the front offices created this beast. There was a checklist back in the 80s, and Randy, you could attest to this. Uh, when you wanted to break into the big leagues, there were a couple boxes that you had to check off. First off, first off, you have to throw strikes. So you have basketball command. That's the first box you got to check off. The second box you have to check off is, did you get anybody out? Did you have any minor league success at all when you were in the minor leagues? And then after that, it's probably secondary pitches. You have to throw more than one, or you're just a failed starter. And then the other one after that is probably, you know, uh, health. Are you a healthy pitcher? Okay, and then velocity and all that stuff. Now the checklist to get into the big leagues. Number one, velocity. Number two, spin rate. Number three, perceived velocity. We don't care if they have fastball command. We don't. So when you have a blend of analytics with how we approach players, I know I'm being long-winded, but I want to get this out. When we sit down in pitchers' meetings, we talk to young guys, and we go, okay, so Pete Alonso, he, he hangs out over the plate. Don't let him, let him get his arms extended. These, these, these pitcher-catcher meetings to go over the hitters, they're still the same. They're looking at holes in batters' approaches. And when the inside part of the plate is a hole, I mean – these guys can't throw strikes in the big leagues anymore. We have more pitchers than ever before. We're allowed to carry more pitchers because of the short spring training. We have guys that are fringy big leaguers who are up to the big leagues because they throw the ball harder than they, they, as hard as they can. They have no idea where it's going. And you're, you're telling a right-handed thrower who's got, I, I say thrower, not pitcher, who throws 98 to throw it on the inside part of the plate to brush Yonder Alonso off, to brush Starling Marte off the plate. They don't know where it's going. So this, this is a product of, of a front office mistake. This is the approach front offices have taken. They are to blame. How do we fix it? Here's my take. If you hit a guy in the head, that guy that got hit in the head, if he can stay in the game, gets to round the bases, that's a, that's a home run. It's a run. If you hit a guy in the head, that's a run. Not everyone in the dugout is going to look at you and go, what the hell did you just do? You just cost us a run. If there's a run at stake, don't give me this thing, Harold – Reynolds keeps saying, uh, oh, you should suspend the pitcher. Why? The, the, the Tampa Bay Rays went through more pitchers than any team in the big leagues last year. It helped Kevin Cash get manager of the year. All these, you know, obscure, dead ball, dead brain heavers who are in the game throwing it as hard as they can, spinning it as hard as they can. If they hit a guy in the head with the bases loaded on a 3-2 pitch and he gets tossed from the game, do you think the Tampa Bay Rays are crying over that? They're going to bring up somebody tomorrow and they'll replace him in a blink of an eye and not care. But if you, if you actually give the other team a run, now we now we got to sit down and talk about pitching inside. Hey, Guys, Greg, you can't lose the game over this. And so to me, we have to think outside the box. I, I think we also 
you brought up a great point about pitchers. Let me localize this a little bit. Andre Pallante has thrown 32 minor league games. Jordan Hicks threw 37 minor league games. Ryan Helsley threw 82 minor league games. Those are the those aren't innings. Those are the, uh, the those are the games that those guys pitched in. And probably, well, Hicks was a starter in the minors, but certainly not enough innings to develop that sort of command that is necessary at the major league level. I think, and this is just to localize things. I'm sure every team does it this way. There's got to be a greater emphasis on developing that command. 100%. But you remember the spring training when Jordan Hicks was was handpicked by Yadier Molina after catching a side session. And Yadier was like, this kid's got the best fastball in the entire organization. we got to bring him to the big leagues. I mean, other players understand the beast that was created by front offices. They, they, they completely do. And the, the idea that uh, the baseball is the problem, it's not accurate. I was talking to officials from the league office. Uh, it, it is an unfortunate coincidence that the Mets are getting plunked as much as they are. There, there were more batters hit by pitches last year to the first 20 games than there are this year. And that's a fact. The other aspect to this is strikeouts are down. Walks are down. The ball is in play more than ever before. So if you're going to pick the baseball as the problem, I don't think that's it. If you're going to say, uh, well, we need to give pitchers sticky substances again. Look at the upper echelon of pitchers going into the year. They're still having success. You could point to Garrett Cole, who is probably one of the more egregious substance users of the baseball, that he's not. But your Max Scherzers are still dominating the game. You've got aces. Robbie Ray looks great. Last star was amazing. You've got guys that, that are still doing it, and they're not complaining about the baseball. I do not think we need to add sticky substances to baseballs again. And for Al Leiter, my friend, to say that it's not messing with the integrity of the pitch to have a better uh, grip on the baseball and to hear Yonder Alonso go, oh, really? Because I was facing sliders at the end of my career. He retired a year and a half ago. They were starting at the left field foul line and breaking to the back foot. He's like, it is the integrity of the pitch. These guys did so much stuff on baseballs, it was unfair to hit against them. So I think we're talking about something that's an unfortunate coincidence. I understand why the Mets are mad. I understand why Nolan Arda was really upset. But it seems like the ball's in play more. We just have a bunch of pitchers that don't know where it's going because that's going to get them promoted. Not minor league innings, like you say, not minor league ERA, but how is your velocity? How hard do you spin that baseball? And those RPMs will keep your butt in the big leagues. Greg, I want to talk about the Mets holistically because even though they've started to bring in new talent in recent years, there there was always some drama or something that would get in the way. The Mets always found a way to met things up. But now they're sitting there at 14 and 6. They're first in the NL East. And anything that I hear coming out of them is talking about an identity. They're looking forward to the playoffs. They're talking about the end of the season. It just feels like the Max Scherzers and Buck Showalters, those additions have really helped change the culture within the Mets. Do you agree? I completely agree with you, Michelle. And it's so great to watch a man remind an industry that managing the role of managing is not just dealing with the media. And that's what Buck Showalter is doing. I'm a a dear friend. I've enjoyed working with him during his time at MLB Network. No one watching a game with Buck Showalter is one of the weirdest things I've ever done in my life. (laughs) I'm going to give you an impression of Buck Showalter. This is what it's like watching a baseball game with Buck Showalter. 
Hey, Greg, you notice that, that patch of grass right there in front of the dugout? You see that patch of grass right there? It's a little longer than the rest of the grass on that diamond. Have you noticed that before? Pay attention to that patch of grass. Next time you watch a game in San Diego, that patch of grass is going to be longer than all the other grass. Why is that, Buck? Well, that's for you to figure out. I'm just letting you know. They, they, leave, they leave that patch of grass longer than all the other grass. You just pay attention next time you watch a game in San Diego. That is exactly what it's like watching a, a game with Buck show up and he sees things that you've never seen before and you don't even know why it matters, but it does to him. He also asks questions of you that he knows the answers to. So you always feel like you're, you're being grilled. You're on the spot, right? And, and, and this is what he does to his, his coaching staff. He always wants the competitive edge. Watching the game the other night where Nolan Arenado airmailed the ball from third base and then Gallegos didn't get over to cover, a complete disaster in the night. And they kept cutting over the SNY broadcast to Buck Showalter. And he was on the top step on every pitch, still grinding, chatting with his guys. There's a never give up. And, and I think of people who are the best at what they do in any industry. When you're so good at your job that you don't care about what you're doing, you're fixated on everyone else, you're a true leader. And that's what Buck Showalter is. There are a lot of managers who are trying to figure it out. They're trying to survive every inning. Am I messing this thing up? Do I have the right guy up in the bullpen right now? Should I be pinch hitting for this player? He is. A, he doesn't worry about what he's doing. He's perfect at what he's doing. He knows his craft. He is bringing managing back to the forefront. Alex Cora did that in Boston. Look what happened when Alex Cora was out with COVID. They lost four straight games. He's back. They win. It's what they. It's what great managers do, and it's important for the industry. We need to see guys like Buck Showalter thrive. I was just going to ask you that, Greg, because it seems like the trend in recent years has been in to bring a young guy in who's just going to agree with the front office, work in concert with the front office. But we're seeing a shift now, I think, with managers, and we're, we're getting reminded of the importance of a good manager and letting a manager manage the game. Leadership matters in sports. It does. Even when you're dealing with multi-million dollar athletes. Yeah, to have a guy who has a great college baseball program and all these kids look up to him. Well, you know, it's that that's a different animal. Buck Showalter, if he walked onto the campus of University of San Diego, they'd all freak out and listen to him. But it's a different different ball game when you walk into a clubhouse and you got Robinson Cano, who's made over $300 million in his career. What makes Robbie Cano, at the end of his career, who's been popped for PEDs twice, want to listen to Buck Showalter? Well, Buck Showalter walks in, cares about everybody he's fixated about your game but he also has that authoritative edge he's watching every aspect of the game like i said he watches the grass grow as well (laughs) when you know you're playing for a guy who does his job at the highest level you truly lead and that is what buck does and and that's why i pull for my friend joe girardi he's been in the game for a long time in philadelphia these are guys that, that are reminding us that this stuff matters. I pull for Chris Young in Texas. I want to see former players in front offices do well. Sam Fold in Philadelphia. I want those guys as GMs to do well because we need more baseball people back in those spots instead of numbers crunchers. And those are not the kind of guys that are going to give us the product on the field that we had in the 1980s when I fell in love with the game. Hey, Greg, one more thing. There is a prevailing thought process here in St. Louis that the Cardinals should find a way to not have DeYoung or Sosa as the starting shortstop, move Edmund to shortstop, and bring up Nolan Gorman to play second base. He's played 91 games at second base at the minor league level. And my argument is that the Cardinals 
are this way because of their bad defense, the years they didn't make the playoffs. So I want to get your take on that. Would you bring up Gorman, who's raking at AAA, and get his bat into the lineup and move Edmund to short and probably take a step back defensively so that you can enhance the lineup a little bit? It's inevitable. It's inevitable. This is the future of the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Gorman will be at second base. Tommy Edmonds is going to be playing short. And if you ask me, that vibe has affected the psychology of the two players that wanted to grab that starting spot. I think Edmundo Sosa and and Paul DeYoung see the writing on the wall. Uh, They were given a short window of time to impress before this move gets made. But they got this sense in spring training. All the local media, everybody was talking about Gorman's on his way. He's going to be playing second base. You have R&I locked up forever. So this is the future spot for him. And Tommy Edmund just essentially solidified this idea by the way he's been swinging the bat. He's been outstanding this year for the Cardinals. So this is inevitable. And I guess the saving grace would be uh, you have the best defensive third baseman right next to him. So he can creep up the middle. I think Tommy Edmund is not a, a defensive liability. It's short. Um, yeah, his arm is not what normally profiles as a shortstop arm. We've seen the Cardinals win world championships with guys that could throw the ball across the diamond without one bounce. So I think this is the inevitable move. Gorman's going to be playing in the big leagues. Everyone's excited to see what he can do. His bat's going to prevail. We shall see if he, if he takes a hold of second base because, again, we're limiting shifts next year. So he's going to really have to prove that he can cover the ground at that position for that to be his long-term home. But if he can, if he says, I've been paying attention to his numbers in the minor leagues. If he continues to swing the bat like this, people will be like, let me tell you something about Nolan Gorman's defense. He can sure hit. And that's all people care about in the big leagues. And I think you might see that. But this is inevitable. I think the writing's on the wall. The Young and Sosa have a limited amount of time left as shortstops for the Cardinals. Are you playing any golf today? 20-mile-an-hour winds today in New Jersey. Yeah. It's really frustrating because there's not a cloud in the sky, 53 degrees. But I went out yesterday, and it was the same kind of wind, and my hat blew off. And imagine I've had hair, and my hat is blowing off. I'm not having any fun playing 18 holes if my hat hair is on display for five of them. So I think (laughs) I'm going to pass, Brady. I'm going to pass. What if it was 65 and you had the wind? I'm not showing off my hat hair to anybody. Sorry, I'm I'm not. If it's over 15-mile-an-hour winds, it could be 85. I'm not interested, Randy. Nah, too windy? Not for me. We know you so well. We appreciate that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. (laughs) I'm just being honest. It's what I do on this show. We we admire that honesty greatly. (laughs) We'll (laughs) see you later. (laughs) Take care, guys. Take care. That's Craig Amsinger, MLB Network. He's got a brand to maintain. It's all about the hair, I really, at the end of the it. day. I really respect it. He stays true to himself and the brand. <laughs> He's the best. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Ah. 
Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy. Michelle, I said during spring training, and I would still contend that the Cardinals are probably the seventh or eighth best team in the National League. Right now, the Mets, Giants, Dodgers, Brewers, and Padres all have better records than the Cardinals. All teams that I thought during spring training would have better records than the Cardinals. But take it or leave it. Right now, with the Cardinals being the sixth place team, and six make the playoffs from the National League, the Cardinals will be a playoff team. I'll take it. Okay. I think the Cardinals will be a playoff team. Okay, good. I like that. Do you I, disagree? I don't disagree. Oh, I think okay. they will, too. Uh, Randy, take it or leave it. I tweeted this yesterday, and it felt like a lot of people were on my side with this one. It feels like the Mets are pond scum, that that's all the way back. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Now, we need an individual to hate, and I don't think Yohan Lopez is the guy. Pete Alonso? Pete Alonso is a pretty good choice. Yeah. I can put somebody in the hospital. So, uh, I know you have trouble hating Pete Alonso. I really do like Pete Alonso. I think he's hilarious. But yes, I do think that uh, we we could have a little bit of a rivalry with them. It seems like uh, these feelings, these tension-filled feelings are not going away between these two clubs. I can't wait to see them face one another again in May. Thank you, Buck. Buck Showalter. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have this. Yeah, and thank you, Nolan Arenado, yeah, right. for your fiery response. <laughs> that was fantastic. All right, what do we have on the text line, Matthew? Uh, we have some, you know, this people just really feeling it here in late April for the Cardinals. Love it. 314, take it or leave it. If the Red Sox are out of contention, the Cardinals will trade for Sale or Bogarts. Oh, I'll take that. Both. Sale and Bogarts. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that. Sale and Bogarts, Randy? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you want quality, right? You need a left-hander. You need a shortstop. <laughs> Yeah, right. we, we can do, uh, like, Palante and a prospect. Maybe maybe Palante and Brendan Donovan. How's that sound? <laughs> Three, one, you four. know, the people that text that in love you. Thanks, thanks for listening. But do you even really believe that? Or are you? is that just a guaranteed leave it for you? Because this is take it or leave well, it. Well, Bogarts has an opt-out after this year. But does that feel like a move the Cardinals would make? Eh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but for Palante and Donovan, maybe. Yeah, okay. Sure. For me, I mean, you can can you trade first round picture in the draft in, in, in Major League <laughs> Baseball? Come on, uh, take it or leave it. The Blues lost to the Avalanche gave the NHL the blueprint on how to beat the Blues by clogging up the neutral zone. I'm going to leave that. I'll leave it too. Yeah, I, I would think if there was a blueprint to beat the Blues, they probably wouldn't have gone on a 16 game point streak. Yeah, exactly. And I take into account that Ryan O'Reilly was saying before the game. That the team the team wasn't themselves that they mm. weren't playing their game they were a little nervous it wasn't necessarily um, the high powered Blues in that game mm. that we were used to seeing they did make an effort uh, a push I should say in the third period though did they look nervous <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a rhetorical question so I'm not even going to answer it take it or leave it Gallegos coming over the top ropes was the most athletic play by a reliever in some time say that again. Gallegos coming over the top ropes was the most athletic play by a reliever in some time. Oh, take that. Yeah, you got to take that. Right. It was awesome. It looked great. It was fantastic. It was like a track star. Mm-hmm. 618 says DeYoung, Fred Bird, and BT for Bogarts. We aren't trading BT. Tra- I think no, it's a never. good trade. Sorry, Fred. You could go, but not BT. What about if, what if, what if they throw in sale? Okay. Sorry, BT. Yeah. Would have, you trade have Fred Have fun Bird? in Boston. No, I would not trade Fred Bird. Fred Bird's iconic here in St. Louis. He is. He is. Good guy, too. I love Fred. But the thing is, is I'm thinking you could trade Fred Bird and he could be espionage for you elsewhere because he's Ooh. always, he's literally always a Cardinal. I don't know if the Cardinals want to get you know involved I mean? in yeah, espionage right. again. Good point. Okay. Yeah, good point. They, 
That was one guy, one rogue guy. It's not espionage. They were just using the same password. That's right. That's, if I was the judge in that case, I know what he did was wrong. But I would also say, do you not get the email every 90 days to update your passwords? This is kind of on you. Eckstein22 without a dollar <laughs> sign? Come on. No. It's not that hard. No capital letters? <laughs> Come on. The, it's kind of on you. From the 941, take it or leave it. Yachty will drive in a run before the month is over. Take it. Michelle. It's the 28th. April 28th. I'm yeah, going to leave that. We'll take it. Tonight. I'm going to leave it. Does he start tonight again? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> take it or leave it. Huso's going to end up running Bennington out the same way Bennington ran Allen out. I'm going to leave that. Uh, Jake Allen had two things. He had less contract term and a great last year with the Blues. Uh, it's a bad combination when you're trying to trade somebody who's been benched and has $30 million left over five years on their contract. I was going to say one of them has a long-term contract, the other does yeah, not. Right. So that's and why I'm going to leave it. By the way, the one that is playing well is an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gets to tell everybody what he wants to do. Vile does. He's got the power. Yep. I like that how you said that. Vile. Vile. Vile Husso. Vile Husso. Take it or leave it. Stubby Claps, a future UFC champion with those takedowns. Oh, I'll take it. Yeah. Two points. Take down two points. Yeah. And by the way, we're going to have a, a draft of Cardinals that you want on your side in a fight. And then, that includes everybody in uniform, right? It does. And I have to tell you, can't wait for this draft. It's NFL draft day, so yeah. we needed to have some sort of draft. Thank you to the Cardinals for having a fight yesterday and giving us the idea, mm-hmm. the inspiration. Randy, I have three pages of notes for this draft. My big mm-hmm. board is set. And I did some draft recon last night calling... Uh, the toughest guy I know. I called the most fit guy I know, and I called a guy who I know yeah. is a big time fighter. Okay, all good. I'm just telling you, I got some recon because okay, I I, like I've never been in a fight, so I don't really know what to look for. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, it is NFL Draft Day, and we will have four downs on the NFL Draft, such as it is here in St. Louis. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. draft is tonight here on 101 ESPN and we have four downs on said draft and I have first down. Michelle, the odds-on favorite to be Jacksonville's top pick tonight is Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker. Fastest guy over 270 pounds at the Combine since 2006. A specimen looks the part, a physical stud, can run, is strong, and had six sacks last season for Georgia. Third on their team. He had nine and a half sacks for his career. I'm always wary of physical specimens that don't have many stats. Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson had 14 and a half sacks last year alone. He's what they call a natural pass rusher. Walker may turn out to be great, but one of the reasons I didn't love physical specimen outside linebacker Aaron Curry out of Wake Forest in 2009 was because in his career in college, he had 
nine and a half sacks, just like Walker. Curry was built like Adonis. He could run like the wind, but he couldn't get to the quarterback. Seattle took him fourth overall in 2009, and he lasted three years there, five in the league before washing out with five and a half sacks for his NFL career. So tonight, with the first pick, Jaguars. Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn ya. Was that Taylor Swift? Yeah, you bet in four downs. Did you just drop a Taylor Swift <laughs> reference to the Jacksonville Jaguars? You bet I did. You know, what other show is going to give you that? What other show in America is going to give you a Taylor Swift drop talking about the NFL draft? Very good, Randy. Thank you. Second down. How do I follow that up? The only way I can do it is talking about the local kid, St. Louis product. Uh, Jameson Williams, the wide receiver out, out of Alabama. Even though we're not super into this year's NFL draft, we should be paying attention because we have a local angle in this year's NFL draft with Jameson Williams. Now, you, w- you may remember he tore his ACL in the college football na- playoff national championship game back in January, and that has impacted his draft stock a bit. But Jameson Williams finished with 79 catches for 1,572 yards in his one season under Nick Saban. We know that he has explosive acceleration and that deadly stutter that makes him a matchup nightmare. He's a big-time talent who's going to make any team who drafts him better. Mel Kuyper, and I heard Mina Kimes talking about it this morning as well, says that when it comes to talent, Jamison Williams is number one. On ability, he's number one. On where he's going to be slotted, probably the third or fourth receiver taken. I have him, this is from Mel Kuyper, as the third because you don't know when you're going to get him because of that ACL recovery. Now, Randy, a lot of mocks have him going at number eight to the Falcons. Mm. I tend to like that spot for him. Pairing him with Kyle Pitts, they have the time because they're not going to be a contender to wait for him to fully heal before they throw him into the fire. But think about Kyle Pitts and Jameson Williams together. That could be fun to watch. Who do you cover? Exactly. So that's a great call. And what a great product. We had him on the show. Uh, what, what a great product of St. Louis, a great representative of St. Louis. And uh, we're rooting for Jamison Williams tonight. Third down. Michelle, a record eight teams have first multiple first-round picks after so many franchises have followed the Rams' lead and traded first-rounders for veteran players. But let's look at those that don't have any first-round picks. Sure, the Rams never have a first-rounder, and they've been to the Super Bowl in two of the last four seasons. And the 49ers seem to have things figured out. But the other teams without a first-rounder? Denver's last playoff win was Peyton Manning's last game, a Super Bowl win over Carolina six years ago. The Bears' last playoff win was 2010. They have two picks tonight. Cleveland, well, you know. uh, (laughs) Indy, no playoff win since Andrew Luck left. The Raiders see Cleveland, although in their defense, they did make the playoffs last season. And our Dolphins see Cleveland and the Raiders, unfortunately. Yeah, it's been a minute. It has. Does having multiple number ones assure you of success? Well, the Jets, Giants, Lions, and Texans each have two number ones. It's a safe bet that somehow those franchises will screw things up. We saw it here in St. Louis with a team that had multiple number ones multiple times and didn't do great. You never know what's going to happen with the number ones of the Saints and Eagles, who each have two tonight. And Kansas City and Green Bay, well, you can trust them. They have two number ones, and you know that they're going to do okay. But the others, not really. The point is, the good franchises have and use number ones. The bad franchises, doesn't really matter. Collect them or F them picks, they're going to screw them up. Fourth down. 
You said see Cleveland. That's where my eyes are going to be trained, Randy, for the first couple rounds of the draft. Because in addition to the local kid, Jamison Williams, my biggest storyline in this draft isn't even with a prospect. It's with Baker Mayfield. Now, he's still under contract with Cleveland, but they've already told him he's not the guy after they traded for Deshaun Watson and gave him all that guaranteed money. Baker has made his desire to get out of Cleveland very well known, but the market has been non-existent for Baker thus far. But the draft could change that. It's a... pretty much considered a weak quarterback class in this draft, but if a team who's in need of a quarterback doesn't get the one guy that they targeted, phones could start ringing for Baker Mayfield. And there's been growing feelings around the league that Baker is going to be traded on the second or third day of the draft. A lot of speculation that Carolina or Seattle were interested at one point, but Randy, wherever he lands, I'm fascinated by this Baker Mayfield situation, and I can't wait to see how his career plays out. He was the number one overall pick. He's got a lot of talent that was in an unstable situation He played injured all of last year. He's done basically everything that Cleveland asked of him, yet there's really no interest in him. I think that he still has a chance to be pretty good, and I hope that the spot he lands in can help him showcase what he still has left. Me too, and I would hope, well, number one, if I were a franchise, if I'm Carolina or Seattle, specifically Seattle, and I could get him on the second or third day of the draft, I'd absolutely make that deal for him. We've all seen what happened with Tom Brady, right? He was taken in the sixth round and wound up being great. Mm -hmm. But I refuse to believe that there is a fifth or sixth or seventh round quarterback in this draft that would be better for you in 2022 than Baker Mayfield would. And by the way, how many sixth round guys are turning out even close to what Tom Brady is? There's only one. There's (laughs) only one. So, you know, I think a lot of people use that as a reference. You can, yeah, you can find quarterbacks in later rounds. Look at Tom Brady. Okay, he is a singular example. (laughs) And you're right. I think that Baker Mayfield is probably uh, a much better option for a lot of teams than some quarterbacks that are in this draft. And if he's healthy and he's in a more stable situation and he doesn't have that learning curve that some of these young guys would, I would absolutely make that move. Michelle, this guy led the Cleveland Browns. Let's marinate on this for a moment. He led the Cleveland Browns to an 11-5 and record and a win in the playoffs, a, a playoff win. That's saying something. Yes, it is. And he's had how many coaches and coordinators? As I mentioned, he was playing injured. It's very easy for us to cast aside a quarterback like Baker Mayfield who doesn't elevate a franchise immediately like somebody like Joe Burrow did. Mm -hmm. We have such high expectations for these guys that we tend to discount all of the factors around them and how it could impact their success. Absolutely. Those are four downs with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we do have the NFL draft tonight after the fast lane. So if you're driving around, you want to tune into that, feel free to do so. The Blues are off until tomorrow night when they face the Los Vegas Golden Knights in their finale of the regular season. We're going to talk to John Kelly about that and about the Minnesota Wild next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Blues and the Golden Knights tomorrow night. That wraps up the Blues season. Minnesota still has two games left, and the Blues and the Wild each with 109 points as we head into the final weekend of the NHL season. Joining us now is the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports Midwest, John Kelly. J.K., good morning. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Everything's great here in uh, the 101 ESPN studios. Uh, John, quick question for you. Where are we at on getting John Hamm in the booth for every Blues playoff game? <laughs> I'm going to have uh, the Blues lawyer contact him in Valley Sports. How's that, right? But wasn't that something? It was amazing, really. How fun was that for you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, first of all, John is a really nice guy. I've got to know him a little bit in the last, you know, four years or so since uh, the Stanley Cup run. And, of course, the first time he came to our booth was at Staples Center. And, and of course, Barbashev scored a goal that night. And uh, he had a great call on that. So I didn't know he was coming up the other night. Um, Mike Caruso, who, of course, heads up the Blues PR, he had set it up. And, and neither Darren or I knew he was coming up there. So it was a, it was a real surprise. And, you know, hey, he's a major star. I, you know, I don't need to tell you guys that of Mad Men and now movie fame. And just, but just a really nice down-to-earth guy. And so it was a lot of fun to, to answer your question. It was, it was, and, you know, to have the Blues score four goals in about, you know, seven minutes or so was quite remarkable with John in the booth. And Jeremy Rutherford wrote about it at The Athletic. I thought it was interesting because you're focused on doing the play-by-play. P- Pangers focused on the analysis. It took a moment for you to realize that was John Hamm standing next to you. <laughs> it, it really did. You know, he, he came in and, and literally stood right between us. And I sort of, after I don't know how long he was there, quite honestly, but out of the corner of my eye, Randy, I saw someone standing there and I thought it was, you know, the stage manager or someone else. And then I looked back and it was John. So, yeah, it was it was quite a pleasant surprise. Well, um, J.K., the Blues have been on quite the run to close out the season. When you look towards this first round with the Minnesota Wild, there's a lot of guys that have been contributors, a lot of guys that could be X-factors. You have eight guys that are 20 goal scorers on this team, but who do you think on this Blues team is going to be a big X-factor in the first round? Well, I think anytime you talk Stanley Cup playoffs, Michelle, you have to look at goaltending because goaltending can – can really influence a series perhaps more than any other position. I, and I think that's true, obviously, in the regular season. Um, you know, like a pitcher in baseball, it's, it's just such a, a position that has such impact on a game. So, obviously, goaltending. But I, I, aside from that, I don't think there's any one player. And because, because I say that, I say that because the Blues are, are really a four-line team, as we know, and they don't rely on you know, one line or, or one player, obviously, even though the Robert Thomas line has been on fire in the last month or so. So I, don't, I, I wouldn't pick one player, one, you know, one line. I think that, you know, number one, the Blues have to, to be healthy, and I know some players have missed some time, um, hopefully with just nagging injuries the last couple of days. But um, that's my answer. I think that the Blues have to get their team game going and it's it is going and, and continue to play well and, and not rely on one particular player john should we take anything out of the fact that the blues have at least in the one loss column they've had so much success against minnesota over the last couple of years well i think that there's some something to it randy you know you can't just totally discount it uh, the blues have a lot of confidence against them but you know what what happens hypothetically if you come in um, you know, regardless of where the game is, and lose game one. Well, I mean, how much confidence now do you have? So, but I, th- I think there's something to it. I think the Blues know they can they can beat that team, and they they do have confidence. So, I don't put a lot of stock in it, but I, at the same time, Randy, I wouldn't totally discount it. 
Uh, Jen, you mentioned how important goaltending is come playoff time. Prior to the last game for the Blues versus the Avs, Jordan Bennington had won five of his last games and then that loss to Colorado. Did that game change the way you view him as we head into the playoffs at all? No, I don't think so, Michelle. I, I think it's unfair to judge any player, whether it's a goaltender or a forward or defenseman, on one game. So I think that Jordan has, has played, obviously, better. And, you know, he didn't have a great game the other night in, in Denver. He seemed to, you know, lose his net at times. And, you know, the fourth goal, he was made a bad play back of the goal. And, you know, two of the goals were long shots. So, obviously, he wasn't at his best. But, you know, as you said, he had won five in a row. But I, I'd be shocked if Billy Huso doesn't start game one. He's going to play tomorrow night. Uh, at least that was the plan, uh, according to the coach. So, but you know, Bennington, it, it's it's really refreshing and comforting to know that that he is playing a lot better. So obviously, you you want as many players playing well as possible, including both your goaltenders. So that's great. John, as the Blues play Vegas tomorrow night, Vegas has now been eliminated from playoff contention. They can only finish with ninety four points, and Nashville has. 95, so Vegas is going to miss the playoffs. And that's a team that since they came into the league since that first year, we've kind of assumed is going to be a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender. And they're super talented. It just shows you how fragile this league is, doesn't it? That a team with that level of talent, and granted they had a lot of injuries, but they aren't going to be in the playoffs. Well, yeah, you're right, Randy. And, you know, 50% of the teams make the playoffs now and 50% miss. So it's not a given. And that's why, you know, when we talk you know, back in October, November, and, you know, you might ask me about, you know, the Blues' long-term goals, you know, are they a cup contender? And I always say, well, first and foremost, get in the playoffs because it's not a foregone conclu- conclusion in-, in today's game. It's such a competitive um, league and such a competitive conference. So, but, you know, I think Vegas, obviously they had a lot of injuries, Randy, in the, in the second half and really all year long. Uh, they have most of their players back. But to me, they, I think they might have messed with the recipe too much. You know, they really made a lot of changes there and, and brought in a lot of big-time big, big time players. And, you know, to me, they had great chemistry there. And I'm not really sure why. Obviously, they, they want to improve and want to win. But, you know, if you look at that team in hindsight as a whole – I, I personally just think they made too many changes. That's my opinion. No, they, I agree with you. They were kind of lovable underdogs at the beginning, right? And then right. You, you start to spend all that money and you get these stars, and that does, it, it changes the chemistry. And next year, John, I looked at it yesterday, they're already a million and a half dollars over the salary cap with their commitments for next year. Right now they are. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, Randy, but that's a great point. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, an example to me is the goaltender, um, not that Robin Leonard is is not a good goalie, he is, but why in the world they didn't keep Mark Andre Fleury is beyond me. He was loved in that locker room. He was loved in that city. All he did for that team, on and off the ice, and now he's in Minnesota. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, and the other thing, you know, if you're going to pay a lot of players a lot of money, Randy, and and you know, not have as much room for your bottom six forward group and things like that. To me, it's, it's not a great blueprint for success. And, and I say that because look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, they pay those top four forwards close to $40 million and they can't get out of the first round. Now maybe they will this year. I don't know, but to me, you have to have depth. And if you're going to pay top players um, what they deserve and, you know, seven, eight, nine, $10 million, then it doesn't leave a lot of money for the, for the guys on the back end of your roster. 
John, we talked a lot about goaltending. We talked a lot about uh, the point streak and the depth offensively. I feel like the play of the Blues defenders has kind of gone under the radar, at least here recently. It's been pretty solid. Where are you at on the Blues defense as we head into the playoffs? Yeah, I, I agree, Michelle. I think that, you know, all year long, the Blues, you know, at times were not a good defending. Not, not a you know, all year long, but, you know, they've had their moments where they, you know, I think back in the middle of the season when they weren't defending well. But in the last couple of months, they've really improved in that area, and, and they know they have to defend well. I mean, you can't win a Stanley Cup just because you can score goals. We know that. So they're right now I think that they are a better defending team than a lot of people think. And the addition of Mark or uh, let Nick Letty rather has been really good, and it's solidified that back end group. So I, I like their defense. That they're they're a different group than what we saw in 2019. They're more of a, a skating and puck moving group, um, and they, they defend with their feet. So yeah, I, I think that they've done a, a much better job in the second half. And now I think that they're certainly up to the capabilities of what they need to do in the playoffs. One last thing for me, John, and that's in regards to the other division series that we have. It's going to be Nashville against Colorado. And down the stretch, if I could have picked a team for Colorado to play, I think I would have picked Nashville because they're a little bit rugged. Even if they don't beat the Avalanche, I think they can knock them around a little bit. Yeah, is that is that matchup set in stone? Randy? I know, I it's not, that... It looks like it's going to be, but it's not nailed down yet. Right. I think the other one that's set in stone right now is L.A. and Edmonton. But right. I, I think you're right, though. Nashville's a team that is so physical, Randy, that if they could steal a game or two and make it a deep series, they could really hurt um, a top team's prospects of going deep. And, and that obviously would be either Colorado or, or Calgary. But, you know, UC Saros got hurt in their last game. I believe he left with about six minutes left. And they said he's not going to play in their final game. So that's a major concern. Uh, if you're the Nashville Predators, if UC Saros is not available for 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 that series or to start the series. So, you know, that's obviously up in the air right now. But, no, they're a team that could be dangerous if they can, you know, as I said, get great goaltending, maybe steal a game and make it a long series. It could be a tough series for their opponent. J.K., always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we will be tuned in tomorrow night on Bally Sports for the Blues' regular season finale. Okay, thanks for having me. You bet. See you later. That is JK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to talk more blues with David Perron. Our favorite is next on Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Perron, he tucked it in like you put the corner. David Perron, and he joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Perron, he scores! On 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Michelle and Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and David Perron is standing by. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. Hey, it's great to have you with us. And I got to ask you this question because we were just talking to John Kelly about the the Golden Knights and they're going to miss the playoffs this year. But I want to go back to that first year 
of their existence when you were there. Yeah. How much fun was that? Because I, I referred to you guys as kind of the lovable underdogs. How much fun was it to be uh, on a, a, a an expansion team that wound up going to the finals? Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the best years of my career for sure. Uh, just uh, just there you for a while, uh, and then kind of mustering that into uh, playoff success, and then getting to the cup final. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I was the leader on that team too, and kind of one of the just kind of made it a lot more fun uh, being a part of it, of it all. Um, and it's just kind of disappointing in a way to see uh, how it seems like uh, the sentiment around <laughs> around the team, uh, around the league has been changing there. But uh, uh, that year was definitely special. And David, as they miss the playoffs, this will be the eighth consecutive year that your team has made the playoffs. How much does, and the last time you missed, by the way, was 2014, but for a player that has kind of been spoiled now, <laughs> the, the thought of that really has to suck, of not may, being in the postseason. Yeah, well, definitely, and uh, I think uh, more than ever, like if you don't play those meaningful games uh, down the stretch, uh, it just makes the season, uh, I don't know, even longer. You, you know that guys don't uh, necessarily play the right way each and every night for the right reasons. Uh, yeah, there's something to play for all the time, contracts, whatever, situation on the team, all that stuff. But it's not even close to being the same. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I can't imagine uh, not being in the playoffs on, on any uh, given year. So uh, it's another opportunity for us as a team, and we're excited for it. And you're a sports fan, but you're participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs. David, I say Michelle agrees that the best event in sports is the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're, you're participating. Do you agree with that? Is there something that could be even better than the Stanley Cup playoffs in your mind? Uh, no, not much. I, I think definitely uh, hockey's always been my favorite sport, and I'm very fortunate to just uh, kind of take part in this. And uh, and uh, be able, being able to win another Stanley Cup is something that obviously uh, we all dream about. It's great winning one, but I think when you when you're able to win uh, more than one, uh, I don't know, it can take you as a in a different perspective, uh, people view you in a different way, and uh, that's something that we're, we're trying to do this year. David, for a lot of people going to the Stanley Cup playoffs or the Stanley Cup finals on their sports bucket list, as a fan, do you have something on your sports bucket list, an event that you would love to attend? Uh, yeah, it would probably be uh, some kind of golf tournament like the Masters. Uh, maybe the, the waste management in Arizona <laughs> seems to be like a cool event to, to go to just for – not necessarily just the golf. I think everything else but the golf is, <laughs> seems like a lot of fun, too. Uh, I think golf-wise, the Masters probably would be the top one for me. And uh, and the, even meeting, being able to play that, that golf course would be something special as well. Absolutely. Well, David, it was great to see Ryan O'Reilly get two goals on Tuesday versus the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. We talk about him all the time and how even if you're not seeing the numbers from a points perspective from him, how he impacts the game night in and night, night out. But you're on the ice with him. Tell us from your perspective the way yeah. that Ryan Ryan O'Reilly constantly is contributing to your team. Yeah, I was excited for him. Uh, definitely, uh, it's good to get a little bit of confidence. And uh, it's funny how it goes. One goes off his shin pad, and then uh, next thing you know, he's you can tell he's kind of flying. Uh, he's got that extra energy, gets the next goal, puts our team back in, in the game against Colorado that night. Um, so, yeah, like I, I, I don't think uh, for us, uh, the way he plays, it doesn't really matter. Uh, his production... Uh, 
whether it happens offensively or not, I think he, he plays the same way each and every night. He shuts down the opposition's best players. He wins face-off. He does it all kind of for us. He leads the way in the room. Uh, so it's not only about production, but definitely confidence-wise, it's good to see him score. Speaking of confidence, you guys have had a lot of success against Minnesota over the course of the last couple of seasons. Does that matter when you play game 83, when you play the first game against them next week? I mean, I'm sure that's something that they'll talk about. Uh, but at the end of the day, playoffs are a whole new ball game. Uh, we know uh, how physical they will be, how they're kind of trying to get us off our game in that regard. Um, they have uh, many new uh, new players. Like, doesn't go well for winter goals. And I think we're in a very similar situation in that regard. So, um, I don't know. We'll see how it's going to play out. Uh, that's why it's playoffs. Our team are so tight. I think we have this exact number of points in the standing right now. So, you know that there's a good team that's not going to advance, and there's a good team that will advance and, and probably create momentum for themselves uh, heading into the second round. And whoever uh, the, that team hopefully it's is going to play, um, I think going to have a lot of momentum. Like I said, a lot of energy going to the next one. David, have you thought about the fact that you didn't get to participate in the playoffs last year? Does that affect how you go into this? Is uh, is there a little bit more fire? Yeah, um, I mean, there is. I, I think there still needs to be a level of... Uh, emotion that, that are in check and uh yeah it's important to come out and, and fly and all that stuff but i also think it's it's important to be level-headed making sure that what your game is uh you bring it and you don't try to come outside of that too much um otherwise it could turn into some negatives and maybe you lose some energy that you don't want to lose for no reason so uh, i've been thinking about it for sure <laughs> i've had a year really to think about it <laughs> uh it was very disappointing i think last year i was probably a game away or two uh, to come back, and then from that point on, I'm in my head. I'm like, well, if it's three one, if it's three two, I come back. Maybe I bring extra energy to the boys. Maybe a, a, a big player. I don't know anything really to help the team out. Uh, maybe we can advance, but it didn't happen. So um, definitely disappointing. But looking forward to this year. Uh, absolutely, <clears throat> we're all looking forward to the playoffs, David. You guys are playing your best hockey at the right time. Uh, but when I'm asking you about your team from your perspective. What do you think makes your team so dangerous as you guys head into the playoffs? Yeah, well, our, our depth uh, up front, uh, I mean, even as uh, our, our D's uh, with uh, the addition of Letty made a big difference. I talked about our goalies uh, already, but I think our forwards, are, we have really like three high, high-end um, offensive line that can score in different ways, and I think that will be key. Like maybe there'll be a series, maybe there'll be a game, Within the series, that one line has more success than the other, depending on the matchup that that you get on the other side. Um, and that's really what we're going to be looking forward to. Obviously, we have the Thomas line that's been playing incredible hockey for the last uh, 20 games or so. I think our line's played solid at times during the year as well, as well as Chen's line. So uh, we'll see how it's going to go, but uh, that definitely that's a key point for us, and we're going to look to take advantage of that. You still have a chance, an outside chance, to have home ice in the first round of the playoffs. How much of an emphasis has Chief put on that? Oh, I mean, we've talked about it. Just keep playing our games. That's the way you get ready for playoffs. Definitely that's uh, the focus there. Um, I'm not sure it's it's necessary just to get the home ice, but I think there's a good chance. Like, uh, I mean, Minnesota's got two more games, but they're playing two good teams uh, that are in the playoffs, and I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe they're going to rest rest players maybe it's going to end up being an easier game for for them i'm not sure uh we have one more we got to take care of it tomorrow against the uh, golden knights and uh, who knows from there i think we got the tiebreaker as well so if they drop one game maybe that's uh, that's our chance to sneak in get a home ice 
and uh, we'll definitely take it. I'm sure there are owners after everything the last couple of years. Uh, one more home game would be nice for them, so uh, we'll look forward to do that. David Perron, we love having you on. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Go get the Golden Knights tomorrow, and then good luck in the playoffs in 2022. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That is Blues winger David Perron on 101 ESPN. So go get the Golden Knights tomorrow and then mm-hmm. just let the chips fall where they may and go beat Minnesota. And then whoever you get in the second round, maybe Colorado, maybe Nashville, I don't know. But whoever you get in the second round, you got to beat them too. You just got to beat everybody you play. Oh, is that it? They yeah. just have to beat everybody they play? A, That's it, all? Yeah, in four. Oh, okay. Yeah, 16 wins. Perfect. Yeah, so we need to put up a, on the board. We just need to count down from 16 and then X out after the first win, 15 left, and we'll do that. That will be very fun. Let's do that during the break. We shall. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We've got a, a late edition of The Fight coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and small men in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. edition of the fight on character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN, but we had a lot of blues talk hockey to discuss in this hour. John Kelly joined us at 815. We just had David Perron join us. You can listen to both of those interviews on our podcast if you happen to miss it. But thank you to Tim, who is joining us now on 101 ESPN for popping on for a late edition of the fight. What's going on, Tim? How you doing? Oh, not much. I'm here at work uh, listening to you guys, and I thought I'd, I'd take on Randy and see if I could take them down peg. Oh, well, I love that. What do you do for work, Tim? Um, I work as GM, building seats. GM for what? GM. I build seats for the Colorado and the Canyons. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, good luck to you today. Um, and let's jump right into the fight since we're already late. Question number one for Tim. Which Cardinal slugger holds the record for the fewest games to reach 350 career home runs? Is it Albert Pujols, Mark McGuire, or Stan Musial? Um, I'm going to say Stan Musial. All right, number two today. On this day in the 2018 draft, the first ever one-handed player was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. Who was it? Is that Rasheem Green, Rasheem Green, Jerron Reed, or Shaquem Griffin? Uh, the C. The third one. Okay. Tim, three LSU Tigers have been drafted first overall in the NFL draft. Billy Cannon in 1960, Joe Burrow in 2020, and what other player? Is it Jerry Stovall, Y.A. Tittle, or Jamarcus Russell? Jamarcus Russell. And number four, on this day in the, in 1983, Nolan Ryan passed Walter Johnson for most strikeouts of all time with his 3,509th on his way to the all-time record of 5,714. Who is second on the all-time strikeout list with 4,875? Is that Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, or Steve Carlton? I'm going to go with Randy Johnson. Okay. A good effort from Tim checking his score. Confirmed, yep. Randy's on his way in. Took out the recycling. Look at Randy going green. Appreciate <laughs> that. 
And he had to get his, uh, and he had to get the garlic. And I appreciate that. Tim, confidence check from you. How you feeling? Uh, so 50-50. Hmm. You might have done better than that. Randy, say good morning to Tim. Good morning, Tim. How you doing? Say that again, Randy. Your mic wasn't oh, on. Sorry about that. Tim, good morning. How you doing this morning? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Good luck. Are you ready, Randy? I'm ready. They're painting our hallway, so be careful when you go out in the hallway because you don't want to lean against a wall. Okay. And for those that aren't aware of it, most people probably aren't. Part of the renovation here includes an industrial-sized ice machine, and our ice at Hubbard Radio now is awesome. I have yet to utilize the oh, new ice, ice machine. Big time. It's a big time ice machine. Okay, I'll check so it thanks, out. And thanks to our leadership. Caldi's coffee in there too that right. I have not taken advantage of because I bring my own from home. Good play. Randy, ready to go. Ready. Question number one, which Cardinal slugger holds the record for the fewest games to reach 350 career home runs? All time? Yes. Hmm. Well, it's got to be one of two, right? And because he still may hold the record, yes. They played for the Cardinals. They didn't necessarily set the record no, in a no. Cardinals uniform. Right, yeah. So uh, that's why I was going clear. McGuire is either first or second in home runs per at bat. So I think I'm going to go with him. All right, number two, on this day in the 2018 NFL Draft, the first ever one-handed player was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. Who was it? Oh, man. Uh, the the Twins um, from Florida State. Uh, and um, USF. Yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, South Florida. No, um, no helpers here. No helpers. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, went to Seattle. But I don't remember the name, so just give me the, the lifeline so I can do it. Is it Rasheem Green, Jerron Reed, or Shaquem Griffin? Shaquem Griffin. Randy, three LSU Tigers have been drafted first overall in the NFL draft. Billy Cannon in 1960, our guy Joe Burrow in 2020, and what other player? Billy Cannon, Joe Burrow, and LSU. Um, Burrow was their first quarterback. Doesn't seem like they've had a great running back that has come out of there. Uh, certainly not a receiver because there's only been a couple of receivers. So let's think. Uh, DBs? No. Um, linebacker. This must be an old school play. Um, 60s, 70s. Uh, Defensive, well, you had Glenn Dorsey, but he wasn't first. Um, I already used my lifeline on Shaquem Griffin. Um, oh, Jamarcus Russell. I always love when the light bulb goes off for Randy. Yeah, I was wondering who was going to happen. On this day in 1983, <laughs> Nolan Ryan passed Walter Johnson for most strikeouts of all time with his 3,509th on his way to the all-time record of 5,714 who is second on the list with 4,875 career strikeouts? 4,475. 875. 8, 4,875. 4,875 strikeouts. Number two all time. Okay. I'm thinking that the Rocket got there. It's either the Rocket or Randy Johnson, obviously. And I'm going to go with Roger Clemens. 
buddy. We've got a tie. Hmm. Tim and Randy each got three correct. Good job to both of you. You both have proved your sports trivia prowess. But this means we're headed to the tiebreaker round, gentlemen. And here's how this is going to work, Tim. I'm going to read the question. As I'm reading the question, Randy will write his answer down on a sheet of paper. We'll give you first crack at it. We'll give you about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Randy will then share with us what he's written down on the paper. First, to get it correct or closest to the pin wins, unless, in fact, you both guess the same answer, which has only happened one time in history. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was historically significant. I guessed 50. I just started joking because I got nervous that that might happen again. Hang on one second. Excuse me. Uh, but that's only happened once. So it's likely a closer to the pen situation. Tim, are you ready? Yes, I am. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Whew, all right, boys. Here is your tiebreaker question. How many quarterbacks were selected in the record-setting first round of the 1983 NFL draft? One more time. How many quarterbacks, I have Randy's answer, was were selected in the record-setting first round of the 1983 NFL Draft? Tim, whenever you're ready, bud. I'm going to go with five. Tim goes with five. Randy, your answer is? I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go with Elway, Marino, O'Brien, Eason, Blackledge, and Kelly. Okay, Matt, ring the bell. <laughs> Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Tim, you were so close. You guessed five, Randy guessed six. He was right on the money. It is six. Six quarterbacks selected in the record-setting first round of the 1983 NFL draft. Yeah, I kind of figured that when it when he said whenever he said his answer, I was like, oh man, that's right. It was. Good job, Randy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, Tim. Have a great Thursday. You too. Bye. And Tim. Don't stop Randy. Believing. Yes, Michelle. You're dunking right in his face. He's being polite, saying goodbye. He's very, very good. I mean, he got three out of four. That's and tremendous. Was one away on the tiebreaker. Yeah. So, Here's our answers. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It's so damn hot. We need new sounders. I keep saying this. Win, 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 win. I'm winning. That's my quarterback. <laughs> That's my quarterback. I want Randy. I am number one by Nelly. Okay, we'll get that. Local product. We need him. Okay, that'll, uh, it'll be available tomorrow. Okay, great. Now, the Cardinal slugger who holds the record for the fewest games to reach 350 career home runs is Mark McGuire. 1,280 games. It took it took Big Mac 1,280 games to reach 350 career home amazing. runs. Absolutely amazing. On this day in the 2018 NFL Draft, the first ever one-handed player was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. It was Shaquem Griffin. Good job, Randy. Actually, Tim got that one as right. Give him a hand. Randy, three LSU Tigers have been drafted first overall in the NFL draft. Billy Cannon in 1960, Joe Cool Joe Burrow in 2020, and Jamarcus Russell in 2007. And on this day in 1983, Nolan Ryan passed Walter Johnson for most strikeouts all time with his 3,509th on his way to the all-time record of 5,714. Second on that list with 4,875 is Randy Johnson. 
The big unit, yes, Randy. When, when you said that, when you said as you were thinking out number three that Joe Burrow was the only quarterback drafted by LSU, I had to stop my jaw from hitting <laughs> the floor because I was like, "There's no way he gets this one wrong." Is there anybody more forgettable than <laughs> yes. Marcus Russell? Yikes! Probably. I mean, he was a big storyline. Think about how many other people are yeah. forgettable. Um, and then the tiebreaker, one more time. How many quarterbacks selected selected in the record-setting first round of the 83 NFL draft? The answer was six. Randy, they were? Uh, it was Elway, Kelly, Marino, Eason, O'Brien, and Blackledge. Great work. Randy is the champion yet again. All right. And by the way, we get a text. The first question wasn't explained to Tim like it was to Randy. Hashtag justice for Tim. Hmm. Did he get the the uh, Tim, Tim, did, did, did he, he got, get the lifelines? He got the lifelines, okay. and I I simply didn't want there to be a confusion because McGuire didn't do it technically in a Cardinals uniform, and I referred to him as a Cardinals slugger. I thought that was a fair distinction to make to Randy. Was yeah, it was. I all I said was he didn't play as he didn't necessarily do this in a Cardinals uniform. Yeah. That's all I said. Right. All right. So there you have it. That's the fight on 101 ESPN. Next up, as we roll along. Which five Cardinals do you want on your side in a fight? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Nobi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, before we get to our draft, yesterday I was at Mobile on the Run. I met Jim Dore. He is the president of Coldwell Banker Gundicker here in St. Louis. Great guy. Listens every single day to Carriker and Smallman. So oh. hello to Jim Dore, and uh, thanks for listening. Shout out to Jim. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Okay, so yesterday when the Cardinals and Mets got into their little mini brawl, Michelle had a great idea that you texted to me, and your thought process is? Well, Randy, I watched that fight probably no less than 30 times. I, I kept watching the clip because there were so many different angles I wanted to see. I was watching different guys and their reactions. And after watching that go down, I thought, hmm, if we were to get into a fight, if this was a anchorman, Ron Burgundy type situation, and we had to throw down with another media entity, what Cardinals will we want behind us? So mm-hmm. I texted you, it's NFL draft day. We don't have a team. Why don't we do a draft? Why don't we do a draft of the top five Cardinals each of us would pick to have behind us in a fight? I love this. I love the idea. So do I. And I have three pages of notes here. I have a full <laughs> big board. Guys ranked, and I did a lot of recon last night. I talked to someone who's very tough, who's been in a lot of fights, both in the ring and at a bar. Oh, okay, good. And he gave me some um, intel here, so I'm ready to go. I don't know about you. I I am ready as well. Uh, By the way, it being draft day brings to mind a great story from back in the day when in 1997 the Rams drafted Ryan Tucker from TCU in the fourth round, who dropped because he had been in a bar fight and basically kind of nearly killed a guy. Mm. Mark, And you couldn't do this in 2022. Mark Malone is covering the Rams war room for ESPN. Interviews Dick Vermeil about the selection of Ryan Tucker and says, Coach, he has had some off-field problems. He got into that bar fight in Texas. And DV, a little smirk, well, who won the fight? Mm. <laughs> 
It's a very important question to ask. It is. It is. Okay, so here we go. We each pick our top five Cardinals that we would want with us in a fight. Snake draft, so I'll go first. Michelle will get the second and third picks, and here we go. With the first selection in the 2022, which Cardinal would you rather have with you in a fight draft? Randy Carricker selects Nolan Arenado, third baseman. Saw some serious blackout rage yesterday. I know how tough he is. Mm-hmm. I know how athletic he is. I know how strong he is. So I, Michelle, am going with Nolan Arenado with the first overall selection in this draft. That's a good pick, Randy. He did have some blackout rage yesterday. We know how intense Nolan Arenado is. I think you have a great first pick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad that this is a snake draft because there's some other guys that I need on my side if we are rolling out to fight someone. All right. With my first pick and the Cardinals we won on our side in a fight, Randy, like I said, I did some recon. I talked to the toughest guy I know yesterday, and he said, everything else is irrelevant. You want crazy. Two words for you, Randy. Neck tats. Give me Yadier Molina as my first pick and the Cardinals we won on our side in a fight. Think about Yadier Molina. He is not afraid to step to anybody. How many dust-ups has he been throughout his career? Mm -hmm. Yadi has a surgery and he's walking out of the hospital. They're like, Yadi, take this this wheelchair. He's like, forget about it. No way. Nick Cassiano said I would let Yadier Molina (laughs) punch me in the face. There is no one I'm picking first overall for Team Smallman than Yadier Molina. He was number two on my big board as well. Okay, so this comes back to me, right? Mm -hmm. With my second pick in the Cardinals, we won on our side in a fight draft here on Carriker and Smallman. I select Tyler O'Neill. Tyler Tyler O'Neill is 98% muscle. That equals strength and that equals danger. Also, think about the discipline that Tyler O'Neill has to work out that much and eat that much protein, which means when he decides to do something, he is committed. So if he's rolling with us, I know that this dude is all the way tapped in. Give me crazy and then give me strength. Yachty, then Tyler O'Neill. All right. Uh, With... With the second selection in the Cardinals we want on our side in a fight draft. Michelle, I am going to go all football Cardinals on you here. Okay, okay. I'm going to shock the world. Okay. During the offseason, he did UFC fight training. He's a monster. His name is Brendan Donovan. Wow, wow. Yeah, and so that is my second choice. A UFC fighter, Brendan Donovan, is, is my number two pick. And because it's a snake draft... Michelle, one thing about fighting is enthusiasm, all right? You got to be enthusiastic about it. Yeah, you do. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Yes, it. And who's more enthusiastic about getting in a fight than Giovanni Giovanni Gallegos? I mean, jumping that fence and the the way he ran towards that fight, that was remarkable. So uh, Gallegos is my third choice simply because of the enthusiasm. The way he jumped over that fence was 100% a manifestation of, I'm, I don't just talk about it, I be about it. That's a man who's ready for some action. I gotta, I gotta get into this. I got, If there's a bar fight, mm-hmm. uh, Giovanni is saying, okay, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm part of this. I'll, 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 I'll go. You want to go? I'll go. You're right. Let's just hope he doesn't forget which man he needs to cover. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 
This is falling right into my hands, Randy. Mm -hmm. Just like you, I'm going with a guy who absolutely didn't even think twice about running into the scrum. I was very surprised by the quickness I saw out of this guy yesterday. We know he's an athlete. Surprising because he's so even keel. But give me Paul Goldschmidt with the third Mm -hmm. pick. Did you see him sprint out of the dugout to back up his dude yesterday? This was all we got is loyalty Kendrick Lamar style first step stuff from Paul Goldschmidt, okay? This man is down to clown for his teammates. No questions asked. Ready? He had a quicker first step than the security guard we saw jumping out of the stands to tackle the protesters (laughs) with the Timberwolves game. I know he's nice. I know he's unassuming. But he is athletic and he is down. Give me Goldie. Great call. All right. So it's my turn. Yeah, you're up again. This is going to be a very surprising pick because you hear a lot from this guy on our show and we know what a big heart he has. But while everyone is zigging, I'm going to zag and I'm getting old Uncle Charlie with number four, Randy, because sometimes it's about the mental aspect of a fight and I'm killing him with kindness. Mm-hmm. We're going into the fight. Whoever Wayno is going to be paired up against, he's going to come in. He's going to give him a big old hug. He's going to say, listen, buddy, dude, let's defuse this. I love yep. you. I think you're great. Should we settle this over some Chick-fil-A? We'll have a nice conversation. No one is going to want to punch Adam Wainwright. And by the way, if it comes down to this, this is a Georgia boy who I'm sure has been in his fair share of scraps. He's also huge and probably has a great reach. So if it does come down to it, I like my chances with Adam Wainwright. He's my number four selection here. Michelle, my scouting report had we might have a rumble start, but Adam will defuse the situation quickly. Mm -hmm. So you might have a fight start, but it's not going to go very far with Adam Wainwright involved. I saw him yesterday, right in the middle, his hand on, on dude's chest. He was trying to calm everybody down. Give me the diffuser who I know has that competitive fire in him and will throw down if need be. With their fourth selection in the Cardinal that we would like to have with us in a fight draft, Randy Carricker selects the relentless, the Mamba mentality, the refuse to lose Jack Flaherty. Hmm. Big, strong, athletic, and he does have that Mamba mentality. I don't want anything to do with Jack Flaherty in that scrum because he's going to get me if I'm on the other side. I want that guy on my side, so I'm going with Mamba mentality. I'm going with Jack Flaherty. Is he available for this fight? Anybody in uniform. Okay. Just wondering. So, yeah, he's, he, he's available. Hey, that shoulder, it's, he can do a lot of things with, with that shoulder. I just, I'm concerned that we're putting Jack Flaherty in the fight, Randy. I need him healthy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it'll make him healthy. He'll, okay. He'll be just so fired up. Okay, and Michelle? This is actually a closer call than I thought it would be. But with Carriker's fifth selection in the Cardinal that I would prefer to have with me in a fight draft... I'm going with dad strength. <laughs> I'm going with Albert. Are you? Yeah. So he's he's a guy that you don't want to fight, he's right? A he's a large human being. He's a large human being. He's in shape. And mm-hmm. I don't think you, you're you in a, a setting like yesterday at close quarters. You don't want that big paw coming out and boom, popping you right in the kisser. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm going with Albert as my fifth choice. Yeah, the, the wheels aren't what they used to be, though, Randy. If, if we're having to run to the fight spot, I'm concerned. 
I'm just saying. But you know what? You have a point here because Albert was high on, higher on my big board than I expected, mm-hmm. specifically because of the intimidation factor. Who's going to swing on a baseball god, right? If you're stepping up to Albert, nine times out of ten, the, the person on the other side is going to be like, dude, you're my favorite player. Can we can we catch a selfie real quick? And then Albert's right. like, boom, pop you in the face. Yeah, right. Advantage Albert. So I, I have completed my draft, and my fifth rounder is Albert Pujols. Dan Strength. <laughs> you know what? Uh... This could not have gone any better for me because I love Albert, but no way, man, am I picking him in this fight when I still have Stubby Clap on the board, <laughs> rounding out my top five to Stubby Clap. Let's not project what we think these guys are going to do in a fight. Let's look at the evidence and roll the tape. Stubby Clap right into the middle of the scrum, taking down Pete Alonso. He's he's low to the ground, takedown two points. Stubby Clap didn't even think think about it. No questions asked taking down someone in the fight yesterday. This is anyone in uniform, right? Yeah. So I don't know how I can put my head on the pillow at night if I don't pick Stubby Clap as somebody that I want on my side in a fight because he proved yesterday that that you absolutely do. You have a great team. I have a great team. And Michelle, here's an interesting side note to our teams is that we've left off a Mm 6'2", 220-pound athlete. I was going to say this who just took a 100-mile-an-hour bat of ball off his hand and kept pitching mm-hmm. in Jordan Hicks. He was next on my big board. He was board. next on my big board, too. You know, Adam Wainwright told us he's the best athlete on the team, right. and I'm always going to lean athletics. And we know how fast he is, too. Speed matters yep. sometimes in a fight. It and does. Quickness. He was next on my big board. I almost went with Jordan Hicks. You know who sneaky was high on my big board, too, is Miles Michaelis. Yeah, A guy right. that, that intentionally rocks a mustache like that. And he's built like a horse. Miles Michaelis, I think, could throw down. But I can't go Jordan Hicks when Stubby Clap is on the board after what we saw yesterday. Right. If you ask any of those guys in that clubhouse, do you want Stubby Clap behind you? You know they're saying yes. Well, and here's one other aspect to this, is if you just lined up all the people in uniform and walked down and you were picking five, you'd pick Aaron Brooks. 6'4", 230, just looks... Yeah. He, he looks the part of a guy that could get into a fight and really co- wreak havoc with the opposition. Here's the sleeper I don't think we, we talked about enough, and that was 6'2", a little bit more wiry, Packy Naughton. First of all, you mm-hmm. don't get a name like Packy unless you learn how to fight at some point in your life. It's just kind of one of those names that has it inbred. And two, throws right, but he bats left, which means mm-hmm. he doesn't have to throw all power with his hand. He's got to be pitching Great with he can come in with that left hand. And also, lower on the roster, a little bit more risky with the body. You know, I want to be a teammate, not necessarily a guy with a, a good right hand. Okay, so your sixth man will be Jordan Hicks. Yeah. And I'm going to take Miles Michaelis because, okay, as good. the text line points out, he also ate a lizard. This right. dude's loco. And the text line has been sensational because we have to point out that Jordan Hicks did try to fight a whole bullpen in Cincinnati. So that's a good one. And Michelle has two Canadians, and we know they can fight. They're also really nice, though. And I went with the zag with Kill Him With Kindness with Wayno, which was a risk. But again, Adam Wainwright is one of the fiercest competitors we've ever seen. He's going to win at any cost. Even though we know Mm -hmm. he's a man of God and he's such a sweetheart and he's always giving back to other people, when it comes to defending his teammates, if he can't defuse the situation, he's going to jump right in. Yeah, he is. I just, I I looked for relentlessness and I I feel like my group is going to be very angry. Uh, They're going to get to the ball carrier angry with Arenado, Donovan, UFC guy. Guy goes, we know that he was angry when he got there yesterday. Uh, Flaherty and and Albert. So it's it's th- this will be quite a battle. I, yeah. I think you and I will both be very comfortable with our groups if they get into it with the Mets. <laughs> I mean, 
from top to bottom, Randy, I am very comfortable with my squad. Yadier Molina to start things off. Tyler O'Neill again. If Tyler O'Neill with that mask connects on a punch, mm-hmm. kind of scary. See you tomorrow night, as our friend Joe Buck would say. Yeah. Uh, rounding it out with uh, the number three pick, Goldie Wayno, Stubby Clap, and then my sixth man in is Miles Michaelis. I feel great about all of these guys. This is we're good at this, man. You know what's amazing? is that we have this many guys on the Cardinals that we would love to have on our side in a fight. Yeah, you don't want to rumble with this group. Yeah, what do you think about that, Pete Alonzo? <laughs> yeah, you aren't sending any of those guys to the hospital. Enjoy it from your bed. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We've got... Uh... We need to put up a poll, by the way, to see who uh, the BLIS, the best listeners in sports, thinks won this fight. Because okay, we while, can do this. while I love your picks, Randy, I think I kind of took this in a landslide. I think you had think kind so? of a Cleveland Browns type draft here. I, I'm not betting against Nolan Arenado. I love my first pick. I love the UFC fighter. If people are aware of the fact that he's a good UFC fighter, I mean, who else has that skill set on the team? Flaherty is not going to back down from anybody. He's not taking any guff. Gallegos is going to be the most enthusiastic guy when he gets there, and he's going to run really hard to get there. And then Albert, I mean, do you really want to fight against Albert? I don't know. Yes, Gallegos. We saw the athleticism hopping the fence. By the way... Yeah, go ahead. But did you see Goldie sprint out of the dugout? Yeah. If those two are matched up against yeah. each other, I'm sorry, I'm see, taking Goldie. Well, and one part of this that I was just going to bring up, if if these two teams go up against each other, Yachty and Wayno, they're off to the side, yeah. smiling and laughing. They aren't fighting. Yes, they are. Against each other? No, they're both on my team. Uh, I'm sorry, Yachty and Albert. Oh, I was going to say. Yachty and please. Albert. Yeah. Those two, a battery together, those two are so in sync. There's no way that they're not fighting yeah. together. They go to battle yeah. together all the time. So uh, Yeah, I meant Albert. I was so. going to say, what? Don't but try so, to break up my so team, Randy. That, we are cohesive. A, we are one. That's an uh, an X out and an X out. Yeah, we, so. ride, we ride or die on Team Smallman over here. You're killing me, Smalls. It's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And it's always great to have a Super Bowl champ in studio on NFL Draft Day, the head coach of the Hawks of Hazelwood Central, a, like Michelle, a proud fighting Illini, the one, the only uh, friend in life, friend of the show, friend of 101 ESPN, Kerry Davis. CD, good to see you, man. Good morning. How are you all doing? <laughs> good. Thanks, Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you. Well, as Randy mentioned, you are a proud alum of the University of I Illinois. Am. So I let's am. just get this out of the way, Kerry. What do you feel about Coach Bielma and the state of the Illini right now? You know, I'm I'm I've taken a stance of I'll wait and see. I've I've been hurt too many times in this relationship and I think that at this point I'm just gonna wait and see how it goes. I, I, I hope for the best, but as an Illini, you always prepare for the worst. Yes, so, we do. Confirmed. Um, you know, this is just the life that we live. It's a hard road. I, I've told Michelle many times this is Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is being in the line. So <laughs> I'm going to continue to fight the good fight with us and, and, and pray that things work out well. Here's why I really like Brett Bielma at Illinois. And by the way, I know that Scott Frost was a Nebraska guy and that was a logical choice there. But I thought Bielma was like the quintessential choice for Nebraska. But now more than ever, those big, tough, 
farm-grown, corn-fed linemen that Bielma yes. likes. There's more of them available now than there's ever been because of the offense everybody's playing. Right. He's probably got more opportunity to get his type of players into Champaign than he's ever had before. I hope so. I mean, you know, you look at the Wisconsins of the world and, and how they've ran the ball while he was there, and, and you expect us to to kind of emulate that and, and, and become become that in some, in some regards. Um, I hope that that's the case. I hope we get big guys in there that like to move people from A to B, um, and then we get little people that are fast and can run and, 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 and quick that can make plays. Uh, but again, I just I, I have to wait and see because mm-hmm. you know as I as I've said, we, we we beat Penn State at Penn State, and then mm-hmm. the following week we go to Rutgers uh, and, and take an L. So it's it's really hard being in the line. <laughs> so is Karen, and you can feel that Rutgers lost coming from oh, a mile it, away. It, I, yep. I you know people laugh. Oh y'all lost to Rutgers. I said no way we did. We, we just yeah, uh-huh. I was I think we had a game that I wasn't able to catch the game, uh, and and you get you get done, you settle down, and you see the score, and you just like what in the world is going on here. Here we go. All right. Most weeks, Coach came on with us. He didn't come on after the first yeah, game. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, and that's expected. That's a tough loss coming off such a big win. So, yeah, it's it's for me. It's wait and see. I, you know, I, I hope that they do well. I, I'm rooting for those guys. Uh, you know, I'm orange and blue, ILL all day. Um, but. I have to wait and see because I've I've been hurt too many times. Well, Kerry, not only as a former Atlanta, he's a Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there are a few organizations in sports that have had the consistency and the stability that the Pittsburgh Steelers do. This this most recent iteration of them because of Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin. And Mitch Trubisky is a guy, Kerry, that I'm really intrigued by. He was dealt with a, a lot of chaos in Chicago. <laughs> when he went to Buffalo, uh, he got a lot of high praise from the staff there, from Josh Allen, saying this is a really talented guy mm-hmm. who needed to learn how to believe in himself again and just needed some stability. So when I found out that he was going to the Steelers, I thought that's the perfect landing spot for him. I'm I, I'm not sure. I don't know if, because there's been talks that they may select a quarterback if they're, if the right one is available in the draft uh, today. Um, you know, I think that Mitchell Trubisky came in, I think he was the second overall pick coming out that mm-hmm. year, and a lot of people had questions about his ability because he hadn't played much at, at North Carolina. And, and you know, it kind of showed. Obviously, he went to a, a place, a destination that has struggled with quarterbacks. I, I, they, them and the Browns, I think, have <laughs> ha, had the most quarterbacks of anybody mm-hmm. in the last 20, 25 years. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a part of it. Maybe having some stability with a head coach that has, you know, been there for so many years, has been to, to a few Super Bowls, has won one, uh, can help calm him down and, and bring him back to, to what most people believe he can be. Um, but if they draft a quarterback in the first round, that's going to be null and void. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not going to matter. And they, uh, Pittsburgh, I, I tell people, even though they weren't great last year, but they aren't far away. I no. mean, it, they need to, and I don't think anybody does a better job than that organization of developing offensive linemen. Tell me if I'm I'm wrong here. Yeah, they do a very good job. They, because they, they can get guys you've never heard of, and all of a sudden they show up in the playoffs and say, that's a really good offensive yeah. line. Who yeah. are these guys? Yeah. Their defense is already there. I think the secondary could use, especially at corner, uh, you know, I think they could play a little bit better. Talent-wise on the offensive side, I mean, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, if Chase can can mm-hmm. can mature uh, into the young man, he's super talented. If he can mature and be the, the young man that they need him to be, I think they are a quarterback. A tight end for your move? Yeah, fair move. Yeah, oh, yes, he, I love him. He's, he's, a, he's amazing as well. I think they are uh, a t- an offense and a defense that can be, you know, an elite team. They they and they're just a quarterback away. I think, Isn't that amazing? They are a quarterback away <laughs> yeah. from from being, and especially in that division, you you're gonna have to have that quarterback because right now it is it is packed with with elite quarterbacks. 
Well, the NFL draft first round is tonight, Carrie. Is there a particular player that you're really intrigued by that you can't wait to see at the next oh, level? I, I definitely have to stay with the hometown kid, Jamison Williams. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, as, as crazy as this may sound, tearing his ACL may have been a blessing. Uh, and that's because when you tear your ACL, people tend to, oh, he's not going to be ready. We won't draft him in the first five picks. Well, yeah, thank you. Because most times the first five picks are terrible <laughs> teams. You're a giant or a jet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yes. Or a brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. In most instances. So, um, you know, I think that, that that may have been a blessing in disguise. And now he's starting to move back up in the draft in, in some people's mind. I, I just think this receiver's class is going to be extremely um fun to watch over the next few years. The last couple of drafts with the receivers that have been drafted have been, you know, Chase. Um, uh, um, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, yeah. J- Justin Jefferson um, from Minnesota. You got guys that are coming in and making plays right away. And I think what I do believe is I think those those older, not older receivers, but the the Tyreek Hills of the world saw this class and like, let me go get my money before mm-hmm. they draft one of these guys and I don't get anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this receivers class is going to be fun to watch over the next few years. You watch the game differently than we do, but I always read about how the NFL now is stealing stuff from college. Has mm-hmm. that made it easier, do you think, for receivers to walk in and, yes. and play in the NFL? It's made it easier for receivers and harder for linemen. <laughs> because mm-hmm. in the in the in, in offense, um, you know, in college, you don't. There's not as much um, regard for for the the deep pass sets or the, the 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 philosophies are much different. So the quarterbacks and the and the O linemen have a different set of rules, and I think it's made. You've seen defensive linemen get to the quarterback. Defensive linemen get to the quarterback with much more ease because offensive linemen are not prepared as well uh, at the collegiate level. To, to have success when they get to the NFL because the, the, the philosophies and the concepts are, are completely different. It's great to have Kerry Davis here on draft day. Uh, I, I've got a stock line that I use when I am an MC for a dinner, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to you because it has to do with you. Okay. It's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Smallman on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, kind enough to join us in studio. And just one quick thing. It's still on my bio. It says Randy did the pregame for the St. Louis Rams when they were here. Michelle was producer of that show. Coach Venturi and I did it. And so I'm always introduced because it's still in my bio when I do MC work. And one of my stock lines, Kerry, is, yeah, I had the easy job. Can you imagine having to do post-game for the St. Louis Rams? That was and, a tough job. It's kind of amazing that Kerry still wanted to join us today. It's amazing. Shout out to Stalter and Mike Young. We had some long nights, man. Yes, it was did. It was some long, hard nights, and, and, you know, it was tough sometimes. Most times, actually. Yeah. But you know what, though? This day was our Super Bowl draft it day. Was. was it the was. Super it, was Bowl it was the best day of the year because we got to see who they're going to they were going to draft. I think the Ty Gurley draft was probably one of the best ones because <laughs> we were all surprised with mm-hmm. that pick. Um, you know, it was it was exciting. It was, it, but those post game shows were 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 hard on me. 
I'm sure. I can't even. <laughs> at some point, you, you just have to kind of laugh. It, though, it right? was, yeah, especially if they were playing in Seattle or if they were playing in, in Sarah. It was long. It was late at night, and we had to. <laughs> it's one o'clock in the morning, and we're like, "What? What do you want from what us? What are we doing here? <laughs> what more can I give Breaking you? Breaking down 164 yards <laughs> of offense, uh, and not 1.2 yards rushing. I just let me go home, please. Please. You know what? Though we would always say, at least they play Seattle hard. <laughs> right. They play Seattle hard. Those were the justifications the, yes, we yes, had. Yes. Okay. Like that four and two record against the division, and then you know two <laughs> and, and, and two and twelve against the Red yeah. Absolutely brutal. Oh, well, let's talk about some of the headlines in the NFL. Carry Debo Samuel. That saga still hasn't found a resolution yet. He clearly doesn't want to be with the 49ers. Yeah, according to the the video that went viral of him in the nightclubs, <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not going back there. Yeah, Debo's uh, coming back. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm I will not. not be a 49er again. Uh, I think you know part of that is is the way that they most receivers. Are, are receivers. Now, you'll do other things to help the team, but if you're giving me the ball 15 times as a running back and I am a receiver, even though I may be built like a running back, even though I may be able to run the ball as well or, or better than some of the running backs on our roster, I am a receiver for a reason. I want to be outside yeah. and, and away from all the traffic and all the collisions that take place. So I think that, that him seeing that and understanding, like, if I continue to do, to do this in this position, my, my career may be shortened, um, and I need to get out of here and find a place where they're going to actually just throw me the ball and let me run routes and, and compete against DBs. And where would you like to see him land? If you could put him on any team, where would you put him? You just mentioned this, and I didn't think about it, but you said Baltimore. Yeah, and during I think the break. that would be a, a fantastic landing spot for him. Uh, Lamar Jackson needs a number one receiver. Mike Marquise Brown is, is, is very good, um, but he's not a number one receiver. You have Andrews at tight end, who, who is amazing, an all-pro type of tight end. But he needs that number one guy to throw to, and, and we were talking about it. If they get a guy like Debo Samuel, it's already going to be hard for my Pittsburgh Steelers in that <laughs> in that division with with Burrow and and now Deshaun Watson and and Lamar Jackson at quarterback. It's going to be extremely hard for the Steelers to to compete every single week in that division. A guy like Debo Samuel for for Lamar is a is an opportunity for him to be back on that MVP pedestal and and the MVP talk that he has been a few last few years. Thing is, I wonder if what makes Debo valuable is the fact that they used him at running back. Because I don't see him like a Tyreek or a Devontae or, or a Chase type. I don't see him at, in that echelon of wide receiver. No, he's not, but not in, as in regards to speed. But I think route running, the ability to, to catch the ball with his hands and, and, and separation from DBs is is up there with everybody else. And, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that he is able to run the ball just adds more to, you know, to, to his armor and what he's able to do. Um, but he's a receiver. He's a yeah. guy that I want to throw the ball to, you know, him and George Kittle, I think those two together are are dynamic. Um, But I think as a receiver, if if you talk to most receivers, they don't want to run the football. I mean, Mm. once, maybe every three, four weeks, yeah, I'll I'll do a trick play. Uh, But if you're giving me the ball 15 times a game, I don't want to do that, Coach. So, you know, I think that's part of the the dilemma. I don't know that for sure, but I would believe that that's part of it. You know what's interesting about the Ravens is that they're so creative in the running game and utilizing Lamar. They aren't very creative in the passing game, are yeah. they? No. Well, well, yeah, and I think that's partially because of you know the, what they the talent. Yeah, they got Bateman, who they, they drafted last mm-hmm. year, who's going to be pretty good. But if you get a a true number one receiver, um, and and then you get J.K. Dobbins back, they had so many injuries in the backfield last year, where you know it put a lot more stress on Lamar to have to throw the ball and have to have guys that 
didn't even come into the to the team in, in training camp as as on the team and mm-hmm. you know had to finish the season with them. So I think they're going to get a lot of help back in the backfield. Um, and and you know they're going to be. I think they'll be okay. I want to get your take on the Dolphins. So the Dolphins are kind of our adopted uh, team here really? on, on Carriker and Small. Oh, okay. Well, we needed a team, and we put it out to the listeners, and they voted, Miami. They voted the Dolphins. What in the world. I know. With Tua. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to that ask you about. So clearly, they they have Jalen Wilde. They go out. They get Tyreek Hill. They're trying to put Tua in the best possible position to succeed and prove if he's the guy. Do you think he can do it? I I mean I I don't think they think he can do it. <laughs> I, I mean, if you believe the reports that came out over the last couple of weeks, where you know, Tom Brady retired and his plan was to meet up with him and Peyton, Sean Payton down in Miami. That tells you a lot about what they think about uh, Tua. Uh, they they may not believe that he's the guy. Um, and, and they had opportunities to not draft him. He was coming off of a hip injury out of college. Uh, and, and that's the same draft with, with a Justin Herbert, who yep, is doing pick. extremely well out in L.A. Um, you know, I think they believe I think they believe that he may not be the guy. And they're trying to give him every opportunity to succeed. You bring in a Tyreek Hill. I don't know that he's going to be able to get the ball to him on those deep routes. Uh, it's going to be. It's, it, it, I, I'm I'm interested to see how it works out, but I think this may be the last real opportunity you see for Tua Tagovailoa as a as a starting quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they started the tank for Tua thing. Remember when they yeah, got rid of yeah, everybody yeah. in Flores, and, and I wonder if they just got so hung up on Tua that they didn't even really pay attention that Herbert was well, there. I don't think that. Justin Herbert, I think, has surprised a lot of people because coming out of college, I don't think he had he he I don't think people believe he had as much of a high side as 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 Tua did. Tua was, you know, a national champion, came in as a freshman and and brought the team back mm-hmm. to win against Georgia. You know, he had all of these accolades and and Heisman candidate and all of those things that he had done. Um, you know, and when you looked at Justin Herbert, you're like, eh, he's okay, but maybe, maybe not what what we believe Tua to be. And that's not how things work in the NFL. You know, sometimes guys play above what they were in college and sometimes they don't. So, you know, it's 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 a crapshoot at times. I think you take the guy that you believe in, but it, it just happens to be that that Justin is is the better player right now. And I think now more than back in the day, you need a big arm. Joe yeah. Montana didn't have a huge arm, Correct. right? But was able to win. I think you need to be able to really go vertical now. You have to stretch the field. You yeah. have to be able to have guys that can that can, you know, run those deep routes and get those DBs out of there so you can hit some of the under routes, some of the deeper under routes and, and and digs and things of that nature. And and you have to be able to complete those deep passes. I mean, it's it's part of the game. It's part of, of, of what the NFL is and being able to make those plays down the field. And, you know, you got these guys that you're paying hundreds of millions of dollars to to, mm-hmm. to go catch passes. You got to give them opportunities, the best opportunity to do that. We're coming off probably the most exciting NFL playoffs we've ever seen, oh, at yeah. least in recent memory. There's so much drama and so many transactions that happened in the offseason. A lot of teams look completely different heading into this year or at least change their fortunes. So heading into this season, and that this answer may change after tonight with the draft, but what are some teams that you think are really big threats or Super Bowl contenders this year? Oh, man. Or that you're excited about even? Well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, I hate to say this. I, well, I, because it's a... Cincinnati again. I, I mean, they they got their O line. They they don't even. I don't even think they feel they need to draft any O line because they did a great job in in free agency of bringing guys in. That's really the only thing that they were missing, offensively and defensively. They they get after it. Um, so I think Cincinnati is 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 in a position to be right back where they were. The Rams. I don't know how you 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 can turn away from them and what with what they did last year. 
I don't believe that. I think Tampa Bay's run is has has gone. I think I think Tom Brady. I know we've been saying this for probably fifteen years now, <laughs> but I'm going to say it again. I think that Tom Brady may be, you know, may they they may not have an opportunity to do Careful. anything. Careful, he's going to clip I, this I off and play I it know, as motivation. Right? He's going to hear that. Um, but I would I would say the Bengals. I just like what they did last year as a team. Um, and and I mean, obviously, you still have to look at the Chiefs, even though Tyreek is gone. That AFC West is going to be is going to be bloodshed every week trying to trying right, to get to yeah. it. So it's, it, that's going to be a fun division to watch. So you, when we you brought up the Browns with a high level of disdain, yeah. we've talked about the Ravens, we've talked about the Bengals. How much does that hurt you to talk about those teams being competitive? Oh, it, it, it's awful. <laughs> it's, it's 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 almost as bad as feeling like the Illini. Like it's, oh, it's on that. It's on it's on par with that um, because you see what the division is becoming, and anytime you have you know elite quarterback play in your division it's going to be tough to to come out of that division so the the Steelers are going to have to find a QB that can can be on par with those guys because those three guys are are MVP MVP talented quarterbacks every single year and they're not going away anytime soon they, they think the the oldest one may be what 26 27 mm-hmm, right. so <laughs> it's going to be a long time so yeah it's going to be tough Man, it's great to see you. you, you. I, I want to ask you one more question yeah. here after the break. So you stick okay. around for one more? Carrie yeah, yeah. Davis with us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, kind enough to join Carriker and Smallman in studio. I got to ask you about Trayvon Walker, who's the odds-on favorite to be the first pick in the draft tonight. Had nine and a half sacks in his career. Yep. Had six sacks. He was third on Georgia. By the way, Georgia's going to have five first-round defensive players taken. Mm-hmm. But you coach, you evaluate. When you have a, a, a guy like that, how does he go from low first round? You've seen all the games. You, they stop playing games, and all of a sudden, he's the number <laughs> right. one pick. Right, I think the the scariest word in in the NFL is is potential or if if he just figures it out or if he can do this or if he that is the scariest word in the world those two words because you don't know you don't under you don't know as you said nine sacks in as in his entire career Aiden Hutchinson had fourteen, 14 this, year. this year so and was second in the in the Heisman voting I believe mm-hmm. he was. Clearly, overall, the best defensive lineman throughout the entire year. Some people will say, "Well, he didn't show up against the Georgia in the Georgia game," um, which I, I think the entire team missed the missed the ride there. Mm-hmm. They they just weren't present. I think Georgia just beat them down. Um, but you know, it's 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 strange that people get fascinated more fascinated with young men when they put shorts and t-shirts on than when they actually have football pads and helmets on. Um, the game is played in helmets and shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. It is played uh, in between lines where you're facing other men, and it's not at a combine where you have to run, jump, and 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 you know do drills to, to show how elite you are. And if you've never worn a helmet, the helmets are heavy. Mm-hmm. And then you put on all those pads. Jerry Rice ran a 40 as fast in pads as out of pads. Yeah, and, and some people are – that that's – some people just don't test well, but when you put on their game film, they are extremely fast, they're extremely quick, strong, powerful, mm-hmm. and they do all of the things on the football field that matter, which is 
in my opinion, if I'm drafting football players, I want to see what they do on the field. Well, as we wind down the show, we want to let everybody know that we do have a poll-up right now. Randy and I <laughs> drafted our ultimate Cardinals brawl teams, guys from the St. Louis Cardinals in uniform right now that we would want behind us if things were going down. Randy's team, my team, they're both up at 101ESPN.com. We want people to cast their votes. Kerry Davis is one of the toughest guys we know. We've got to get his take on it. So, CD, I'm going to give you both of our teams, okay. and then you cast your vote. Okay. So, Randy's team is Nolan Arenado, Brendan Donovan. Brendan Donovan, by the way, UFC fighter. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that matters. It does. That G- definitely matters. Giovanni Gallegos, who hopped the fence yesterday. He, I was, now, when I saw that, that, to me, lets me know that that person really wants to fight yeah. and <laughs> is trying to get to the action as soon as possible. I don't want to go out of door. I don't want to go around. I want to go over because the quickest point between two lines is a, between two points is a straight right. line. And, Let me get there. And sneaky athleticism. There you go. Too. Jack yeah. Flaherty, Albert Pujols, and then his sixth man is Jordan Hicks. Good okay. athlete there. And, and a big guy. Yes. Really big guy. Yes. Okay. My team, Yadier Molina, Tyler O'Neill, strength. Hello. He is. Talking about quick first jump. Did you see Paul Goldschmidt run out of the dugout? <laughs> Didn't even think twice. He was he was ride or die, ready to go. Adam Wainwright, that was my zag. Kill him with kindness. Stubby Clap, who we saw body Tackle Pete Alonso he yesterday. Got him down on the ground. And then yep. my sixth man is Miles Michaelis, who ate a lizard. We, we, we need oh, crazy. That's, that is nuts. That's crazy. Um, so I told you earlier, I, I was with your team until I saw the Wayne Wright pick because Wayne O is is a nice guy yeah, and nice. and to me he's more of a guy that's going to defuse the fight and if we're in a fight I want people that are going to fight in the fight <laughs> and so I I went with Carriker's team I oh, thought that they man. were they were you know a little bit crazier a little bit you know I did like your Yachty but I, mean, I loved your Yachty, Yachty pick. Pick I, I think that Thank was you. the the best pick of the draft Thank you because he he definitely is the one that when you see him, you don't really want to bother him. You don't really want to say anything wrong because maybe it, it, you don't know what that thing is is going to cause him to, to snap. So It could just be a look. It could, it could be, and, and that may be all that it takes. So I, I, I love that pick, but I got to go with Randy's team. And that uh, CD knows because he has it. That that dad strength. Oh yeah, that that, that Albert has. That I was waiting on someone to pick Albert because that would have been I, he would have been you know my third, <laughs> second to third pick because the dad strength is a real thing. As a dad, mm-hmm. you know, as yep. as a former athlete and a father, you have a different set of strength that comes with that the older you get. Adam Wainwright has like five kids. Yeah, then but he's, he's the strongest one of the bunch. Yeah. <sighs> But he's nice. He's gonna he's gonna defuse it. He's also competitive though. He's not gonna extremely. He's not gonna yeah. let his guys. I don't think get he's gonna down. let somebody punch on him. I just don't know if he's going to punch first. Is he gonna knock anybody out? That's what I want. But think about his reach, guys. How tall is Adam Wainwright? I, I think the reach is with the flat hand, though. Keeping him away. He's 6'7". Keeping him away. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Come on. Let's just calm down here. Let's calm down here. I think that's him off. And I think Jack Flaherty is swinging. I think so. With, with clenched fist. And if Gallegos is jumping bullpen fences, he he's definitely <laughs> he's, needs to be in the in the bunch. He's enthusiastic about it, man. CD, it's great to see you. Thank you. Love I you. appreciate you guys. Love you too, man. Gary Davis, one of the all-time greats. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Michelle, you were great today, and yes, you are every day. This was a great show. Thanks, Randy. I'll see you on Friday. Yeah, and, and by the way, on your Twitter page, is that where the poll is set up? On 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN. Okay, so you can vote today and see if you can get me, well, get me more than 17. 17- Okay. Yeah, because I'm crushing 83 right to 17. <laughs> for all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.